here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Cranch alongside, as always, the king of banter himself, reason, and well-explained man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's going on? It's a pretty humdrum introduction. You all right over there? Yeah. Yeah. Long day, but I'm good. I'm good. You, you know, long day. What happened? Oh boy, yeah. My uh, I got a, I had an issue with my tire. Uh, and discovered it at like lunchtime and after work. I had to stop and get the damn tire fixed. And then even then, the problem is is still not all the way fixed. So it's it's fine. It wasn't as expensive as I thought though. So that makes me feel a little bit better. But uh, yeah, still not how I wanted to spend uh, an extra two hours of my day is sitting in a lot like an empty. And it was like the loneliest place in the world. Is like uh, I don't know if you've ever done this hustle too where you like you're at an auto repair place and you just sit in the lobby or whatever and it wasn't in an area and it's obviously not nice enough for me to just be like i'm gonna go for a walk or like oh i'll just like walk around or whatever so i'm just sitting there i'm watching scott pilgrim versus the world on their like 10 inch tv or whatever it was just yeah. brutal they have like coffee and i i was like you know what i'm gonna but it's like the worst coffee you've ever had in your entire life and it's got you know the terrible powdered creamer and occasionally you hear a door open and you're like oh please that's me right and it's it's, it's not it never is and it just never ends and it, it was definitely like an hour and a half and it felt like seven hours so yeah, it was, uh, I'm more interested in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Did they have uh, like a DVD playing or was no? It they had like HBO on this uh, in this just they, tires. That's what I was gonna cool. say. Yeah. So they had HBO running in the tire store, and that, for, for all I mean, that, that, it's not a bad movie at all. It's just like you know, I, I don't. That's not how I wanted to spend my day. It's <laughs> watching Scott Pilgrim versus the World, yeah. uh, drinking really stale coffee and and hoping and praying that every door that opens is a guy that's gonna call my name. But it, it didn't actually work that way. But uh, yeah, it's like an echoey too. You know, it's like seven o'clock, so no one's really there. No one's coming in and out. You know, no employees are are exchange. It's just the same guy at the desk, just you know, typing away and answering phone call. It's just it was brutal. It was awful, but it's all right. We're we're all better. Yeah. Tire's good. Are you uh, the kind of man who can uh, change his own tire? Uh, yeah, because I've actually had like three flats. Uh, so no, I I can now. After uh, it, it was it took me a long. I was. Probably until about three years ago, I had no goddamn clue how to do it whatsoever, and it was really bad. I, I at one time it happened, and I was like on the side of the road, and, and some guy must have been walking by or something, and he could tell that I was just like I had no fucking clue what I'm doing. I'm on my phone, like watching YouTube videos about it or whatever, and he was just like, "Do you need some help?" And I'm like, "I, I do." And and once he sure showed me, it was all good. And like, yeah, obviously my dad probably should, but like, why would you do that? I wouldn't show a kid how to you know 
fix a flat tire ever. It, it, you know, how are you gonna need it? So no, well, luckily after that one uh, time, I was I was pretty good after that. So now I now I'm well aware of it, but I have indeed changed a flat many many times because the problem is it always happens in the winter too because like these streets get just torn up, and you know from your days in New Jersey where you know when when you have plows coming by and salt and stuff, there's just potholes everywhere. You just and obviously because it's warfare in Chicago all the time, so there's always just potholes everywhere. But yeah, it's 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 so you're always bumping it out of potholes, and you're like, oh fuck, and you know when you hit one too, you're like, this is not gonna go well and then yeah 10 minutes later there you go and you're on the side of the road all wet and bothered trying to change a flat tire it's it's terrible so any room there in college station i, I think i'm i think i'm ready to move no more snow yeah I'm, I'm, I'm i've been pretty much over snow since i was about 10 so and i can change a tire i just don't have the desire to change to physically change the tire. you know what i mean like i can complete the task but where I would rather just call a guy, you know, and have the guy come out and take care of that, get his hands all dirty and greasy. I'll just sit in the car and fuck around with my phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Like, well, they probably have the better tools too. Cause like, and I'm sure you've done this before. We go into your trunk and it's that like really terrible, like, you know, it, it, it doesn't work. It, it, it cranks like crap. The jack's a mess or whatever. You call one of those roadside assistance guys. They have, you know, the power. They, they, you know, they get those lug nuts off in 10 seconds, and you, it would have taken you two hours or whatever. It's just so much easier to have one of those guys just come and do it. Absolutely. So I just call the guy, and they don't charge a lot of money. You know, you, you, know, you get these local guys that come out. They charge you, like, you know, 20, 30 bucks. They'll change your tire. Those, it's usually the dudes who, like, if you lock yourself out of your car. How often does that even happen anymore with, like, modern technology are there still people locking themselves out of their car does that happen i don't think so and i think yeah, I, I i'm pretty sure that modern cars don't allow you to like pry them open as you as you used to be able to because back in the day and like that happened many times you know and when i first started driving and you're an idiot and you leave your car- keys everywhere because you're 16 and 17 and you're a moron or whatever the, you know the cop would just come with a freaking you know wedge of wood and just you know like hammer it down and open your car i don't think you can do that anymore nor do i think a lot of people want their cars to do that whereas you know I feel like many, many years ago, people were a little bit more lax with their cars and, and how they treated them. So it's like, yeah, whatever, just get that damn thing open. I don't really care. The, you know, the long, yeah. you know, metal, you know, the skinny metal, you, you know, you, you got a, you know, like a hanger and you're trying to get it down there to, to pry it open or unlock the door or whatever. I feel like, yeah, you can't really do that much anymore. Cause yeah, everything's like, it's harder to get into cars now or, or it's harder to lock your keys in your car. Like I know with those keyless entries, you can't even do it. It, it just doesn't let you, you know, do it, lock the Cannot car do it. if it's in there. So yeah. That's what I mean. It's like not even an option anymore. To to you, I don't think it's possible to lock yourself out of your car. I wouldn't even know how to do it. I wouldn't know how to do it on purpose. Because you got to press a little gimmick to get the doors to lock, right? But if you don't, if you leave the the gimmick inside the car, then how can you lock? Right, for the keyless entry, yeah, you can't do like where you slide your hand underneath or tap the button or whatever. Yeah, you can't do any of that shit. So it's uh, I've tried, and I always like because I still have this irrational fear of doing that. So like Michelle's car, the nurse, so she's she's. Hers keyless entry or whatever. And I'm always like, do you have your keys? You're like, oh, don't have your keys there. She's like, it doesn't matter. You know, whatever. It doesn't, you know, it's fine. It's not going to lock or whatever. But I still have that irrational fear because it's uh, it happened to me far too many times. Yeah. Good car talk, Joe. This is nice. The man- this is the manliest way we've ever began the show. So uh... this is actually the least manliest way. <laughs> we're because we're both bitches. We're terrible know, at repairing cars. That's right. Neither one of us will change a tire. So. You, you know, I, I'm not even going to about to ask about something like an oil change, which I got to tell you. Oh, I God, even no. Know. Are you fucking kidding me? God, no. I, I got to watch, watch graphs. I got to watch the graphs, man. I got no time for. I, I, I honest to God, if you put a gun to my head and said, change the oil <laughs> on your vehicle or I'm killing you, 
I would be dead because I don't even know where to start. I would just grab the gun and shoot myself and just make it easier for everybody. Yeah, there's I I yeah, I don't even know where to be. I would just like be unscrewing things and you know, I'd, I'd be in my windshield wipers. <laughs> They'd be like, no, that's that's your windshield. Like, oh, okay, all right, cool. Like, I uh, I know where to check my oil, but I don't know if I know how to uh, to uh, actually fix it. Yeah, I have no fucking clue. Never had a desire to either. Did you just say fix it? You don't fix oil, Rich. You change oil. You know, I think what they do is they they drain the old oil, right? <laughs> this is correct, yes. And then they then they put new oil in because I remember when I was younger, I thought oil was like gas, and you just drove around until you didn't have any anymore. And I destroyed a car engine because of that. <laughs> oh, because it comes out like as a tar, old. yeah, it's just tar. And they're like, dude, what right, are you doing? Thought, man? You gotta change this. Like, yeah, and the guy was like, "How? Why haven't you changed your oil?" I said, "The oil wasn't out yet." <laughs> and the guy was just like slapping his forehead, you know, and I'm like. I you know I thought it worked like gas. I didn't realize you had to like drain oil and ch- I just thought you use up all the oil and then go get new oil. You know, so um, I to learned fair, that. Lesson. I think one of the reasons why I don't, I'm not very good at anything is I had a friend growing up that was like great at every car thing. Like he still does auto repairs. He still and like that's what he does. That was his game or whatever. So it was like always like why would I even buy? I, I wouldn't even go to a place. I'd just go to his house or whatever, hang out with him. He'd work on it. I talk, you know, I shoot the shit while he's doing it, and that was it. So I never had a need to ever try to do any of my own shit because it was like here's this guy who actually knows what the hell he's doing. It's gonna take him a quarter of the time. It's gonna take me, uh, you know, and and and, and you know, it's it's just was so easy. And now you know. He doesn't right. live anywhere near me anymore, and now I'm an asshole because now I, I don't know shit. I don't live near my parents anymore, so I can't even go to my dad. Be like, hey, fix this or whatever. So now I just have to pay hundreds of dollars and sit in a lobby and drink still coffee. So, yep. What a life. What a life we lead. But anyway, got a lot of wrestling stuff to get to uh, this week. We got the new beginning in Osaka. We're going to recap that big show from New Japan. We got the Honor Rising shows. Kind of snuck out of nowhere here this year with the uh, New Japan Ring of Honor Honor Rising. So we have the full cards for night one and night two. We'll talk about that. Uh, maybe touch a little bit on the New Japan 46th anniversary show, the card for that. Uh, we have a little bit of time for that one, but um, maybe interesting to kind of talk about the card. Uh, Evolve. Evolve's had a big weekend this weekend. 100. Evolve 100 and Evolve 101. So talk a little bit about uh, Evolve, uh, both those cards, a little preview of those, and then also a little bit of our memories of Evolve, because I think uh, I, I have a column that will be up on the website by the time most of you guys are listening to this. Uh, kind of a deep dive into uh, the history of Evolve, the evolutions of Evolve. I was able to talk to Gabe Sapolsky. I was able to talk to Lenny Leonard. And I was able to talk to Grant Akuma. So I talked to uh, all people involved. Uh, Grant Akuma wrestled on the first Evolve show, and, and I think the next four or next four or five or so, Lenny Leonard called the first Evolve show, and obviously he'll be calling this weekend, and then Gabe is, is Gabe. I mean, Evolve is is nothing without Gabe. So uh, it was pretty cool to talk to those guys about the little history of it and stuff, but I wanted you and I to talk about it, because I think there's some stuff that, uh, throughout the years of our podcast, we've sort of grown as they've sort of grown and evolved or whatever, so I think it'd be kind of cool to uh, touch on that. And then a little bit of other odds and ends stuff here. This weekend, I get to see uh, Tetsuya Naito in uh, AEW. So he's going to be in Chicago, so I'm going to be checking that out. It's a Mystery Vortex show, uh, show Joe. Uh, we have Naito and Sammy Callahan and nothing else announced. So I know this is your least favorite thing in the world, but hey, AEW has, has gained my trust. So I, I I know and I think that when I get there and it's all said and done, it's going to be a pretty awesome show. But yeah, they have Naito and Callahan, and that is it. Nothing else announced for that night. Here's the thing. If you're telling people it's a mystery show, I don't have a problem with it. I don't think they did. I think they just never announced a card, and then it got so close that they were like, ah, you'll see when you get there. Then I, I absolutely have a problem with it. Okay, right, yeah. that, That's where I have a problem with it. It's like if you if if the if the if the entire intent of what you're doing here is the mystery show, then at least the customer knows what they're getting into, you know. And then if you buy a ticket to a mystery show and you get burned, well, that's on you, in my opinion. Um, you know, but. Yeah, if you're what well, you're saying, you're saying facetiously, this is a mystery show. 
This is not a. Yeah, I don't think they've officially declared it a PWG style mystery vortex, and they have done that in the past. This is not one of those though. So we've all just kind of decided that it, it, it's going to be one of those. Like we have some names announced. I mean, there's like your David Stars, your Trevor Lee's, your Zima Ions. There's a few other guys that are announced for the show, but no other matches other than the Naito Sammy Callahan, which you know, and, right. and that's that's a matchup that I'm not totally super excited for anyway, just because, you know, Sammy Callahan's kind of Sammy Callahan. Like, I've, I've softened a little bit on my Sammy Callahan stance or or our long-running Sammy Callahan stance, but still, like, Naito coming to America, coming to Chicago, I get to see him in, you know, great venue in the Logan Square Auditorium, and he's against Sammy Callahan. It's, I don't know. I'll give it the benefit. Of, you know, I'll, I'll I'll see what happens, but I'm not looking too, uh, too forward to it. Right. All right. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I, I hope so, and then we'll see. Hopefully the show. AEW has done it. I mean, I, I have no reason to believe that they're not going to have a pretty awesome show one way or another and book some pretty fun talent, but we'll see what goes. But uh, we'll first get into New Beginning in Osaka, Joe. This happened, uh, this was uh, Saturday, right? Last Saturday? Last Sunday? I forget when it was. I watched it a day late. I believe it was either Saturday or Sunday morning is when that happened. Uh, overall thoughts on the show before we kind of break it down match by match. Obviously, the big match, Okada versus Sonata in the main event. Uh, you also had Goto Evil for the never open weight title. Uh, Osprey Hiromu Takahashi for the junior heavyweight title. And then uh, two other uh, singles matches here. We talked about this last week, how it was just you know five singles matches, we, more than Wrestle Kingdom even. Uh, Bushi uh, versus Gato in a non, just a, just a straight up match, even though it should have been a, a hair versus mask. But we'll talk about that. And then uh, Naito versus Yoshihashi. So a lot of chaos versus LIJ, a lot of singles matches. Uh, overall, when it was all said and done, what do you think of New Beginning in Osaka? A good show, a fun show. And um, they ran some angles too, which I always like because they're few and far between in this company and they ran several on this show. And uh, I thought there was um, of the matches of consequence. I thought that there was one absolutely terrible match. And other than that, everything on the show to me either delivered or over delivered. Yeah, that's kind of where I was as well. Um, there's one match that I think we're going to disagree a little bit on where, where I was kind of underwhelmed by it, even though I saw the consensus was, was that it was a pretty positive match or whatever. And it wasn't necessarily that I thought it was bad. And that's always the thing that that's always tough. When you say underwhelmed, people assume you think, oh, that match sucked or I hated that match or whatever. It's just sometimes you go into a match with, with, with high expectations and you assume, okay, this is going to be great. And then you see people say, oh, this is awesome. This is great. And it doesn't hit you on that same level. And we'll talk about that one a little bit. But yeah, there's one match that I think you and I are both going to agree on that was a real dud. But I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about this card is that the undercard really delivered more than I had any expectation of possibly doing. And it helps by the opener, which with the Nagata uh, Kitsamura, which I thought was the best Kitsamura trial series match yet. But Nagata seemed like he was pretty inspired by it and really working his ass off. So once that started out being pretty good, I was like, all right, cool. We got a great show here. And, and, and it really kind of held. And even the tag matches, they were, they, they were kept to a, they weren't super long. They were kept to a certain amount of time, you know, 10 minutes, maybe 11 minutes or whatever, which is good. That's all that those matches really need. I mean, sometimes they get a little bloated and they go 20 or whatever, but they were in and out. Bushi versus Gato, I really loved a lot. And then once once you have that and you have Naito and Yoshihashi and then the other matches we're going to talk about, I mean, top to bottom, it was other than the one match you're going to talk about or that we're going to talk about that we, you know, I think both of us didn't like. And then a match that I was a little underwhelmed by. Otherwise, I think just about everything else on this card delivered. I thought Naito and Yoshihashi was way better than I had any expectations for. And Bushigato wasn't great by any means, but I mean, for 10 minutes, they entertained the hell out of me. So that's all you really ask for. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I agree. So um, let's go through the card. Let's do it. So the main event, uh, we'll start from the top and kind of work our way down. Uh, Okada defeating Sonata. Uh, of course, this was an IWGB heavyweight championship match with Okada. Uh, def- defeating Sonata. So you, you were kind of right when you said there was a 0% chance at Sonata. Uh, would defeat Okada. I ha- I left it at a one percent just so I can maybe cover my bases, but uh, there was almost no doubt uh, in the in the context of the match that Okada was going to win. But I still thought that they did some pretty cool stuff. Uh, Sonata did a great job. I thought of selling the knee throughout. 
But when it was all said and done, I was a little underwhelmed by this match, and I know that you really liked it, and I know a lot of people really liked it, but I was happy to see a few other people sort of agree with me that it wasn't, I don't know, I just couldn't put my finger on what it was exactly. It just didn't hook me. It didn't catch me. I watched Spoiled. That might have been an aspect of it where I knew that Sonata didn't win. I knew that Okada won. But still, for whatever reason, I just didn't feel it. And I, I, I don't know if the crowd really felt it either. There was just something that it was it was good but not great. And it's we're kind of used to greatness for Okada title matches these days. I liked it more than you did. I thought it was actually an excellent match. Um, because when I look at the match... Here, here's first of all, like you said, I, I, I gave Sonata 0% chance. I did not expect Sonata to win. So I think maybe I, because I had no expectations in those directions, I would maybe, maybe I was relaxed in terms of waiting for a finish when I knew it was going to be an Okada finish. And maybe that helped. I don't know. Um, cause I did. And honestly, I was a little surprised cause I thought this was an excellent match. I mean, the work was sound. Um, I thought the story they told was sound. I thought there were very good um, story nuances within the match that, that were actually pretty excellent. Um, You know, where Sonata missed uh, one moonsault attempt and sort of tweaked his knee. And then Mm -hmm. um, when, you know, when he finally landed that move, it it caused him to, you know, he then sold that knee and and it, it, it prevented him from going for the cover. And then uh, he got, you know, the classic Okada 2.9 count you know, sort of telling you the story, hey, if he hadn't tweaked his knee earlier, he may have scored the pin there, you know, and I thought that was a nice little touch. I mean, they didn't have to go above and beyond and throw that little wrinkle in there, you know, Um, but to me that I love stuff like that in a match. And I thought, you know, Okada was excellent in the match. He always is. I thought Sonata delivered. Do I think that this was the uh, star making Sonata performance that he needed that we talked about last week. I don't think it was. No, I didn't come out of this match thinking New Japan had a new star in their hands. Right. And that Not probably a- led to a little bit of my disappointment because I'm thinking, all right, when this is all said and done, we're going to be like, I'm going to be ready on the show and we're going to be ready to just be like, boom, there we go. They got another guy. And I felt like it was just kind of, it, it, when it was all said and done, it felt like Sonata was a, a worthy opponent, but still has a lot of time to go and a little a lot, a lot of ways to go to get to that next level yet and that that i think was led to my underwhelming a little bit is that i thought he, he worked well and that that spot that you talked about was my favorite spot in the entire match and i think a really good way to do it and, and the english commentary even alluded to it too so that's how i kind of knew that it was something more there that, that that it was some sort of real story thing that they were trying to tell which was good it was a nice little touch to the match but yeah when it was all said and done it was like it's not a loss and it was just like all right cool like who's next for okada and I wasn't really thinking, okay, what's next for Sonata? It was just like, all right, well, he had his chance. Now he goes to the back, and maybe again he'll get another chance. So I, I felt like that was a little disappointing that it doesn't feel like we've really progressed anywhere with Sonata, and I was hoping that this was going to be one of those moments. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we got that. I do think that he performed better than Kai did the week before um, because while he didn't stand out and you know against Joe Doring last week, we talked about that match last week for Kai, while he didn't bust out – and become a star here. I, I thought his performance was, was excellent. And I don't think he came off looking like he didn't belong. I, that that's see it, it, it's one thing to not break out and maybe we worked ourselves into a shoot thinking he had to. Um, but I mean, when you come on a show like this and talk about matches, you got to look for things to talk about. You can't, you know, you can't just, so there was an opportunity there for the guy to break out. I don't think he did. Do I think he acquitted himself well? And do I think he, uh, like, for example, that's why I mentioned Kai. To me, Kai against Joe Doring did not look like he was on a main event level. I don't think Kai's a main eventer. Not not in all Japan, anyway. Uh, because he did not come off like a main eventer in that match. 
Well, Sonata acquitted himself well enough where he didn't look out of place in the match, even though he didn't break out and go to the next level. And I thought the match was excellent, uh, you know, you know, for, for the reasons I stated earlier. Um, but yeah, so um, I went pretty high on it. I, I thought it was like a four and a half star match. I, you know, I don't think it'll be match at your level when all is said and done or anything like that. But I think it'll be, uh, you know, it has a chance to, to be a top 20 new Japan match for the year or something like that. If you don't get you know, new Japan, the standards are so high. I mean, you might get, you know, 10, 15, four and a half star matches in three weeks in August. Right. But, right. And that's where, when I say underwhelmed, uh, like it's also a match. I mean, it's a match that I really enjoyed. It was all said and done. I was like, that was good. But it's like, that, unfortunately we've, we've kind of created a standard. They've created a standard and, and Okada specifically has created a standard where it's like, you sort of expect any type of match that he is, any singles match, any main event is going to be like this next level, you know, um, amazing top tier, no doubt match of the year type match. And, and like, yeah, that's, that's unrealistic expectations for that to happen. But the problem is, is last year in 2017, like pretty much every time, you know, uh, 75% of the time it was that. So it's like, you, you've sort of created this and maybe we're going to have to go into a little correction period where it's like, all right, look, not every single match he has is going to be teetering on the five stars. It's going to be this incredible thing that you're jumping up and down at some matches are just going to be solid. And I think this was the best way to describe this match is, is for me, it was, it was solid. It was like, it wasn't great. It wasn't match of the year level. It didn't have me jumping up and down. It didn't have me, you know, pumping my fist or whatever. But it was like, oh, that was a solid, good match or whatever. But when you say underwhelmed, like people just immediately assume that's bad. And it's, it's not at all what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying that, you know, maybe I had higher expectations. Sure. And, and there's a reason why I have that is because I've got to, you know, kind of created this atmosphere. New Japan created this atmosphere of high expectations over the last, you know, few years. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I could yeah, totally see that. But uh, I guess I just liked it a little better than you. That's yeah, all. That's, that's fine. And I see the consensus seems to be that way as well, which is cool. Like, I, I, I like that there's there's some different stuff there. And then, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see. I I think when it's all said and done, like I said, I, I, I sort of agree with you that maybe Sonata didn't break out in that sense. But he, he, did, he felt like he belonged. Like, it's not maybe he's not ready to be the guy. He's not ready to, to win the G1 or whatever. But he's a guy that when you, you sort of know now when you do need to give it to him, you do need to go full force with him that you, he probably is going to quit himself well he's not going to go out there and bomb like he's not going to be totally crap he's not going to be like his you know the aforementioned Kai or whatever where a lot of opportunities he's had to, to really deliver have just kind of been duds or whatever I don't think Sonata is going to be that I think now you know okay look we, we when we want to go with this guy he has the makings of that sort of you know we can make this happen with him so that, that was pretty cool and I thought the crowd reactions at the beginning of the match were really cool too they sort of the not necessarily 50 50 but a little bit you know Sonata was getting his his you know his cheers or whatever and Okada sort of sensing that and sort of working towards that does the subtle little stuff kicks him in the head a little bit slaps him a little bit just asks a little disrespectful and then they're all on board with Sonata which is you know a testament to how great Okada is too to sort of work the crowd and 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 yeah you can say that the Japanese crowds are a little simpler or whatever but no these guys are working their ass off and and really doing the subtle things to make the crowd react the way they do and and it's it's you know a, a testament to New Japan too that they've created a, a, a culture and an atmosphere where you know you kick a guy while he's down and the crowd's going to boo you. I mean, it's a simple, simple thing. But when you have you know when you run guys over with trucks and 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 blow them up in semis and all this sort of shit or whatever, yeah, eventually a kick to the head isn't going to create any sort of heat. But in New Japan, they've cultivated a, a, an atmosphere where that does still create heat. So I thought that was kind of cool in the match too. See Okada sort of playing that heel role uh, a little bit back and forth as well. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, and that's another reason why I thought um, why I really enjoyed the match because successfully. With just those cocky little, you know, they they aren't even, you know, they're hard to describe. He kind of stomps on his opponent's head, but not in a manner where he's trying to hurt him, sort of just to taunt him. 
Yeah, right, right. And, just kind of the, the dumb little kick. Like, he's just kind yeah. of tapping at him. Yeah, just to be an asshole. Like, he doesn't need to do it. It, it he, doesn't benefit. It's just you're being an asshole. He's tapping at his head to say, are you alive? Did I kill you yet? You know? And he has that smirk on his face. And every time he does that, the crowd turns on him. And that's just an example of why he's such a great worker. Because, you know, at that point in the match, by what they had planned moving forward, you have to have the crowd behind Sonata for this match to work, you know? And they did that. And that's the other thing, too. Despite the fact that, in my opinion, Sonata was a dead challenger coming in, and I think most people probably, if they were being, if they weren't trying to work themselves into a shoot, would admit that Sonata was a dead challenger coming in. But Sonata had a chance to win that match by the end. So, you know, again, to me, this was a very, there was a lot of subtle things in this match that, for me, made it work. And when I was done with the match, I was I was very pleased with it, you know, and, and I thought the performances of both guys were excellent. So uh, there you go. All right. Now a match that I think neither of us thought was excellent and was just a, a thing that I think we're going to talk about a little bit here. Uh, Hiroki Goto defeating Evil for the Never Openweight Championship. Joe, 20 minutes, 19 seconds. I couldn't tell you two things that did in this entire match other than shove the referee. I, this... I could tell you another thing. This was the first time in pro wrestling history that Benoit balls were used as a weapon. So I don't know what the <laughs> fuck was going on with that. Because do we know that. Do we know that officially? Is that an official declaration? This is the first time those have ever been used. Like a side. Uh, one of the side hasn't used them at some point. Why would the side use Benoit balls as a, as a, as a weapon in a match? Um, I, I I'm interested why you would go there in terms of wrestlers who may have used, I don't know if I've seen ten of the of um what's the other Seidel's name uh not the the the, the yoga oh uh, Mike Mike Seidel I don't know if I've seen ten Mike Seidel matches in my life first of all uh, I've never seen Matt Seidel use Benoit balls in a match this is a bizarre <laughs> well, thing to bring I up were, I think the they were Buddhist balls and not uh, the balls that you think they oh were. so here's where you oh you're thinking they were Buddhist balls right I'm telling you're you right not. now. You are convinced they are. Those are Benoit. For people that don't know what Benoit balls are, here's here's a quick little Wikipedia for you. Uh, Benoit balls, also known as orgasm balls, Venus balls, or geisha balls, uh, are small marble-sized balls, usually hollow and containing a small weight that are uh, rolled around and are used for sexual stimulation. Parentheses by insertion into the vagina or the butthole. Or they do not say the butthole on Wikipedia, but you indeed trust me, Rich, they're for the butthole. (laughs) Let me tell you something. You you yank the, you stick the Benoit balls up your orifice of choice. Can you call them a different name? Like when you call them the Benoit balls, I, 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 I I just have the crippler Chris Benoit in my head. So maybe let's let's, let's go geisha balls. Just what do I want to call them? They're called Benoit balls. Uh, I don't know what you want me to say here. I don't know. It just, (laughs) it feels weird. I don't know. Go ahead. All right. Go down to your local adult bookstore and, and go to the counter. I don't know if we have one. We have a Lover's Lane. Do you guys have Lover's Lane by you? Is that a well, is that a chain I, or no? When I say adult bookstore, I mean you know a sex shop, a toy shop, a novelty shop, you know, anything like that. Ilk, you know, go in and ask for Benoit balls. That they're going to hand you what Godot had around his neck in, on that show, <laughs> and they're going to hand you what was used as a weapon in this match. They were Benoit balls. Now they were very large Benoit balls. I'll That's, grant you. Yeah, that. they were. They were. They were exceedingly large. So Godo's got You'd some. You'd be surprised uh, what could be inserted in people's buttholes. I know you get a little antsy about the anal play. Yeah, this is. I we understand. really should have saved this match for uh, <laughs> hour three, but I guess we're going but, for it. So. But the fact is, I'm sorry. It looked like a. It looked like a string of Benoit balls that was used as a weapon in this match. It was bizarre, 
And on top of everything else, if that wasn't enough to take you out of things, this was so dry and so boring. What was this? What was this? It had no juice. And this is the once or twice a year Hiroki Goto special where he gets in there in a match that should be good. And he lays a fucking egg. And then people bury him for the next eight months unfairly. But this was terrible. And he should have had a great match with Evil, just like he should have had a great match last year at New Beginning with Okada. Or well, that may have been a year before. I can't recall. Um, but either way, he gets in there with these opponents where he should have a great match, and he just lays a fucking egg. You know, He lays a Benoit ball in these matches, and it just doesn't work. And, and this was just very boring. And Evil is just as much to blame. I mean, these guys, I don't know if it was a chemistry issue, but they've had good matches before. That's yeah, this, the they tried to work this one. I don't know what the approach was here. It wasn't like, I think everybody kind of went into this thinking it was going to be big guys throwing bombs, and it was just like big guys crashing into each other. I, I don't even know how to describe this match, but it wasn't the big guys throwing bombs. It was just like big guys plodding around and shoving the referee a bunch of times. Like that. That's really all I kind of got from it when it was all said and done. And that's that's not at all what any of us really wanted this match to be. And it's not at all what the match should have been. I mean, these two dudes are way capable uh, of having great matches. We, like you said, we've seen it before. And these guys are capable of working, you know, a much higher speed, a much better speed. But I, I, there was just some weird, I, I don't know. It was just like not a good day for either of those guys. And it just, it, yeah. it, it went on forever and ever. And I think the placement on the card didn't help either because it was, you know, f- the match prior, we'll talk about it here in a sec, was so high octane and so, you know high offense and, and, and high energy and then you have these guys who are just kind of bumping into each other and, and not doing anything and and yeah it lasts you know 20 minutes and you just could not wait for it to get over they should have yanked the benoit balls out of the orifice of choice very early on this one it took this baby home because uh it was very boring this was you know you'd have to go back to the suzuki uh bull rope match or maybe the suzuki elgin lumberjack death match one of those two matches to find a new Japan, a high profile new Japan match as bad and underwhelming as this one. In my opinion, I don't know where you stand on that. Um, wow. Yeah, that's, but this was a poor match. Yeah, it was not great. Yeah. I'd have to really think about that of my worst sort of, and, th- and this is like big high profile matches you're saying, right? Like ones, you know, top, you know, top half of the card or whatever, you know, top. Yeah. yeah it's, Whew. yeah, it, you really got to go. <laughs> yeah. It, that, that bowler rope was one that I, I really disliked. Um, it was up there, man. I, it was definitely a contender, which is, is, is not what I expected at all a week ago. Yeah, not good. I, I don't, I don't even really have much else to say. No, about I, it. I'm not really mad at it. It was just like, I'm glad it was over when it, the bell rang. I was like, thank God. All right, cool. Like, like I'm saying, I, I, I generally do not remember that much from it. Cause when it was done, I was just like, cool, done out of my head. Never again. Like I, it's just it, nothing, nothing retained to me. I don't remember. <laughs> like I remember very few things about this match. And that's one of those ones that like the finite amount of brain space. It's like, I don't need this. This, my brain did not need that match. And it immediately erased it all. And I'm glad that my brain did that, which uh, was a good way. But uh, a match that my brain did retain, though, and I'm glad it did. Will Ospreay defeating Hiromu Takahashi for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the match, your thoughts on Osprey retaining the title over Hiromu? We sort uh, of, yeah, we, mean, we, we wondered if that was the move that they were going to do. I think we both agree that that was the better move, and and I think we're both pretty glad that that Osprey did retain. But but what do you think now? Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about it. I'm fucking thrilled. I mean, I think you finally push the guy. You finally give him, um, you know, a, a big title win at Wrestle Kingdom and all that. To lose it in his first defense a month later, I think would just be, you know, yanking the carpet out from under him again. Let's see what this guy can do with a lengthy title reign. If you recall when Kushida 
finally, you know, um, not not his last title win where he where he ended Hiromu's run, which was I thought a poor decision. The Kushida title run before that, his definitive run. Remember, we talked about how that was his definitive run for the rest of his career. You're going to look back at the end of his career. That this is the definitive Kushida title run that people are going to point yeah. to. He had all Mary had all those short ones, and everyone complained. And I was like, you know, then he had this one, the, the the definitive run. I was like, this is it. You know, he's having all these great matches. This could be the definitive Willow Spray IWGP junior heavyweight title run, but you can't have that if you lose it back in a month again. So let's see what he can do here. And then as we saw after the main event, which we neglected to talk about, and I guess we can bring it up now, uh, similar to last year where for the anniversary show, Okada challenged uh, someone to a non-title match. In that case, it was Tiger Mask W and it ended up being a really super cool match. And, and actually a nice um, you know, callback to what he did with Sonata where he turned the crowd against them, remember? Uh, in that match as well, Okada did. Right. Um, uh, but anyway, which is, you know, and that's where that match really turned the corner. Uh, you know, once again, he made a non-title challenge and he made it to his stablemate and the IWGP junior champion, Will Ospreay. So uh, not only did Ospreay retain, but there's like a plan here. I mean, he's going to, he's going to go in and face Okada champion versus champion, stablemate versus stablemate. Uh, Osprey has, uh, you know, modeled himself after Okada in New Japan, you know, and he joked about how he's like a mini Okada. Uh, they've had a match before, but not in New Japan. If you remember, they had a match in the UK and it was right before Osprey was already a thing in the UK, but that was kind of before he broke worldwide. Um, it was, well, I think, right I think they still alluded to that. I know in, in commentary, they still allude to the fact that that's the match that Okada said, all right, this guy's great and we need to get him in at some point yeah. or whatever. That's, I don't know if that's actually the, the, the actual truth of it or it's just kind of the storyline or whatever, but Osprey has always said that as well, that that was the match where Okada was like, oh, dude, you're, 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 you're a thing. And, yeah. and a big reason why he got hired in New Japan and really in a lot of ways blew up because it was like, all right, you get the endorsement from the guy of New Japan, you know, Okada, that's a big deal. And like you're saying, Osprey was a big deal to, to you know, niche audiences at that time, but this is really when he blew up. And obviously going to New Japan even got him to the next level because then, you know, I had the match with Ricochet, the best of the Super Juniors, and then it's kind of been off to the races for Osprey since then. But yeah, this is a really big moment, that match in in, in sort of the the build of him because, I mean, God, he was still at, what, 21 at the time? And we, we forget how fucking young he is still. Yeah. And I mean, and whether that's legit or whether that's just lore, uh, you know, that that's that's that was a key match in history. So um, that's going to be great. I mean, Okada Osprey, when that when, when I when, when I heard him say Will Osprey in his promo, Okada, I mean, I, you know, I, I was all pumped up, Rich. I mean, that's going to be incredible. You know, uh, they're going to work a main event match uh, you know, at the anniversary show. And you got two of the best wrestlers in the world. And um, I couldn't be more excited. And it's like with Hiromu. You know, I would like to see him have another. He look, he's going to win this title a million times. Can we be honest? I mean, you know, this guy he's 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 a dojo boy. He's not going anywhere. He's incredible. He, you know, he he is also one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, you know, don't don't worry about Hiromu. Is what I would tell. I almost I almost kind of like to wait for him a little bit more because, like you're saying, he's still at a very young age or whatever. And it's like if he goes through and runs through a bunch of title, you know, reigns, you know, through his you know early to early to mid twenties or whatever. What the hell's for Hiromu after that? Because I mean that that's right. I, I like the build their heads up a little. This is a guy that you have in your pocket for a long time. Like Absolutely. you said, if, if he can stay healthy and if his body doesn't, you know, if he doesn't kill himself in the ring or whatever. But no, this is a guy that you have for years and years and years. You're going to have a decade of Hiromu. It's like yeah. build that up to a moment that really means something. And then 
similar to the Kushida thing. So I'm glad you sort of talked about that. We were screaming, hey, look, look, I know you want Kushida to have a long reign, but once he does, it's going to finally feel right. And that's what it was with yeah. Kushida. It finally felt right with him at that time. It was like, all right, now he's ready to be the man. And that's that's maybe the Hiromo thing. And that's why I, I'm with you that I wouldn't have given him the title all those you know months ago. Or if you if you would have given it to him, you would have had him continue having it. But they had the little, you know, whatever. He had his little title reign. But when you know it, you'll know when it's that moment when Hiromo was absolutely taking over this division and when it's his to sort of run with or whatever. And that's coming soon. But it, like like you said, people don't have a lot of patience with that. And I get it. But it's, you know, we got a lot of time with Hiromo. He's still very, very young, provided he doesn't kill himself, which, you know, with Hiromo it might be tough because... Yeah, and I thought his first run ended too soon, as I alluded to before. And yeah, that no, was, that was that was stupid. Yeah, that was I don't know what they did there. I would just would have not given him the title at all if that was gonna be the plan. But but he'll have more. So, you know, I'm um I'm not worried about that. He's he's gonna have more. So um but this this match though, I mean, was incredible. It, it lived up to the hype. Um now I you know, I, I now see I might be the low man on this one. I thought it was an incredible match and I loved it, but I saw a lot of ratings a lot higher than mine. I went four and a quarter. Um, you know, it just didn't – it was an incredible match with some ath- incredible feats of athleticism. And I thought Willow Spray in particular, his work was incredible. His selling was just otherworldly. Um, his flying, which at times he can get a little Mike Bailey-ish and just miss the mark on, you know, um, some of his moves – uh, not as bad as Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey just I, that guy lands in another universe half the time. I just I cannot stop picking on that guy. Um, to be fair, I haven't seen him in a while because I didn't why you know I haven't seen DDT in in ages. But um, so he may have improved for all I know. But uh, Osprey has a little bit of that sometimes. Um, but when when you do when you attempt some of the things that he attempts, you know, uh, and you but but there was none of that here. Everything was was um, you know perfectly executed and. Hiromu was just an insane person like he always is. What I would have liked to have seen is what some people don't like to see. I would have liked to have seen a batshit insane closing stretch. We didn't get that, but that's not really a complaint because what they gave us was great too. But I had this vision in my head of when these guys finally had a high-profile singles match that they were just going to go balls to the wall Mm -hmm. and do New Japan, modern New Japan junior style combined with PWG style. And maybe that's my fault for having those expectations, but you know, I thought, but, but, but what they did was great and I have no complaints and I would love to see these guys have another match. Yeah. That's sort of what I was left with when I was all sudden. And I went four and a half. So I was probably a little bit higher than you were on this match just because I thought the, the, the work was just awesome. And I think what they did is I think there was cool moments where, there were times when it was just manic, like you're saying, like and people were just going nuts and guys are flying and, and diving or whatever. But there were times too when it was a little bit more controlled. And there was times like the finish where it wasn't wild and it wasn't like, oh my god, what the hell are these guys going to do next? It was like, oh, Osprey is just like definitively putting this away or whatever. Which I actually liked that aspect of it. I liked that it, there was some madness in between, and then sort of when it was all said and done, it was like, all right, here we go. And now it's just kind of a nice clean win or whatever. And 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 because we can't go balls to the wall the entire time. It's just not realistic for us to do that, even though that is probably what we all kind of want. And I think what the end game is gonna be is that if and when these guys do have another match, and if and when it is that obvious, like this is the last of these two, or this is the last match of these two, perhaps when Hiromu eventually beats him or or whatever. We don't know Osprey's, you know, with his future in New Japan, but but we'll see. But once they have that one, I think that's gonna be your one. That's just gonna be from bell to bell. It's just gonna be balls to the wall. But I thought really loved how it began. 
And that's sort of, I was really hoping it was going to be where Osprey just goes at him right away and they just go at each other right away. And it's exactly what it was. So I thought the first like 10 minutes or so of the match was just exactly what I wanted. And, and I don't know, I was, I was four and a half. I wasn't, I've seen some people at five. I've seen some people at four and three quarters and stuff and you know, we're kind of nitpicking over little you know quarters of stars here or whatever but i don't think it reached like that level like you're saying i don't think it was quite like oh my god this is you know has to be a match at your level but it was all said and done i was like man this is this is gonna be really hard to, t- to to top and and i didn't think the main event topped it and i thought this was in the match of the night for me but i think you know both these guys i mean just incredible workers and it, and we talk about it a lot of times with osprey it's just like you've had this guy on your roster for a year and you did nothing with him <laughs> you had him for a year and he did nothing and this is what he's capable of he's having he's capable of having these great matches and the crowd was way on board with it too it wasn't like the crowd doesn't give a shit about will osprey it's not like the crowd just goes oh this guy they were all on board with it and they love for they they so that was it, it's just been a monumental waste of osprey up to this point but they're sort of rectifying it and, and, and doing stuff with him in these last few months so that's good to see but i don't know yeah i'd like to see this ring go on for a little while because i think there's a lot of really fun matchups in the junior division with osprey as the champion it feels new it feels fresh and 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 that's kind of cool and that's why when osprey just kind of put him away it felt good and it sort of enhanced the match for me because i was like all right cool like haruma was gonna have his chance but but osprey really proved that he is a big time deal in this junior division i thought that was important and it's a really good thing now and it sort of can build for the future and as we saw later as you're saying as you alluded to it built towards osprey then having the balls to to go and challenges you know Chaos Stable made Okada. So that's really cool. And that's going to be an awesome match, too. And we know Osprey is going to go balls to the wall. And Okada's a guy that that again, like you've said, we've we've um we've talked about it and you, and you talked about it a little bit earlier. They have a pretty good relationship too. And they've obviously worked together and and and, and impressed, you know, Osprey impressed Okada all those years ago. So I'm I'm assuming Okada is going to bring his A game too, as he always does. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that match too, just to see what those guys can uh uh, can come up with because they're they're innovative and and that's the thing about Osprey is is you know whether you love him or hate him he's definitely innovative like he makes every match of his sort of feel unique or or, or feel like its own or whatever and that's you know people that just watch gifts aren't going to say that but the people that actually watch the matches know that that there is a this is a really good worker despite the fact that he's what twenty four or whatever you yeah, know what what does he what does he not do well I mean I you know he sells his ass off mm-hmm. he can sell he can sell a body part. He puts over progressive damage. He his offense is obviously spectacular. Um, he has great match to match psychology when the situations dictate it. Just look at the Marty Skrull series. Look at the Ricochet series of matches. Um, I've seen him brawl. I, I saw him have a brawl uh, brawls with people like uh, Jimmy Havoc that were just you know fantastic. But some of the, and I'm not even a brawl guy, you know. And um, you know, I've I've he can do face. He can do heel. What does Will Ospreay not do well? I mean, I, I know he's kind of a doofus, but Rich, do you think that might have something to do with it? We're people who tend not to care about that stuff. Um, I really don't give a single shit how these guys come across on Twitter. I don't give a single shit what they do on their personal time with limits. Um, I don't give a single shit what they're, if they're a surly real-life personality. I care what they do when they perform. You know, that's our job here. And that's what I care about as 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 a fan and as a viewer and as someone who's looking to be entertained. And, you know, it's it's the same thing in, in sports. It's the same thing in music. It's the same thing in, when it comes to actors on television and movies. I don't get wrapped up in that other stuff. And I do think, look, I'm not sitting here saying if you don't think Willow Spray is a good wrestler, it must mean it's because you don't think he's a – a cool person. That's not what I'm suggesting. You get a hold. I look, I suppose, I guess what I'm saying is rich. I, I don't know if I could see the arguments against him being great. Like what are they? What isn't he great at? 
can you i now i know you agree with essentially everything i've said for the you know for the sake of this argument but play devil's advocate for me yeah sure what is the counter argument to Will Ospreay being one of the greatest wrestlers on earth? What's the counter argument? And I'm not even saying he's just good. I think he's exceptional. Yeah. And I think the one thing is that obviously you have your old school ish fans or whatever that don't like the idea that he does, you know, a spin kick or whatever or he does, you know, uh, unnecessary flips or, you know, he doesn't look like he could beat you up in a bar fight or whatever. I think that's probably what a lot of it is, is, is that sort of aspect of he looks like he's doing high flying and it doesn't look like he's having a fight or whatever. And, and that's can I counter that. No, absolutely. Certainly. He's a junior. Right. And. And that's what I, I tried to bring that up to to, to somebody once because I was yeah, watching with you know, a semi casual fan watching New Japan and we were watching um watching Wrestle Kingdom or whatever and they're watching Will Ospreay and they're like yeah you know what it just looks fake it looks like he's not in a fight or whatever and I'm like look like these are a bunch of juniors and this is what juniors kind of do or whatever if he's in a match with a heavyweight the heavyweight's gonna beat the fuck out of him you know what I mean like he's not gonna be able to do a spin kick or whatever and, he, and stuff's gonna be, I mean it's it that, Japan and and Osprey is very good at telling a different story when it's a guy that's big or whatever when it's a guy like Hiromu yeah he can fuck around yeah you can do flips or whatever but that's his offense. He's not going to be able to punch you. He's not going to be able to outpunch you and outkick you or outgrapple you or whatever. His offense is, hey, I do an extra flip and it hurts a little bit more. That's sort of the the psychology of it in, in some ways. And a lot of people get hung up on that and they can't really accept that. They want a stiff punch or a a real you know a real good looking submission or whatever, and they can't wrap their head around the fact that people have different styles and maybe this is just his style of 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 fake fighting. Okay, um, I I don't know. I I see a guy that. I can't find – I can't identify flaws. Um, I've also heard that he oversells. Uh, I mean, first – you know, <laughs> He couldn't sell before. Now he can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before he didn't sell at all. So it's like here's the guy corrects it, right? He's Now he sells his ass off and now he oversells. I mean, okay, but isn't that better than not selling at all? You know, the argument was, you know, the guy couldn't sell or cho- chose not to sell. Um I don't know. I don't have a problem with selling. I think, you know, um, I think people have a problem with the screaming you know, arm or whatever. He'll scream. I, I don't, that doesn't bother me. Um, I don't know. I, I, I see a guy who's exceptional. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm finding it harder and harder to credibly accept counter arguments that this guy's great. You know, and I just, I just, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't see what other people are seeing. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is also preconceived. Like you just kind of have to, you know, say you hate him. You, you know, like and I'm not saying that people are faking well, it or whatever. Does that but feed I think into my first point where it's because he's an asshole, right? And and that's and and I was going to kind of allude to that too. He's a 24. I mean, like I don't like any 24 year olds. I think all 24 year olds are annoying as fuck. And like that's why I think Will Ospreay is annoying on Twitter and 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 kind of a, a he's just like a dumb. He's just a dumbass. You know what I mean? Like, and that's fine. He's, like, he's, he's 24. 24 year olds are dumbasses. That's why I don't hang yeah, out with 24 year olds. That's why I hang out with 30 year olds. Because I think 24 year olds are idiots, and I don't want to hear them talk. And and he acts and reacts and tweets and and and, and types and and whatever. He, like a 24 year old. Like he just does stuff just because he feels like ah, I'm going to do my own promotion. Now ah, that promotion's gone. Now I'm doing this. Pro-. He's a 24 year old. He's a dumb shit. Every 24 year old is dumb. And he, and he, and he, speaks dumb without, he speaks without thinking and. Right, like twenty four year olds because they're dumb yeah. shits. <laughs> like, what did you do when you were twenty four? I was, I was an idiot too. Like, I'm positive I was. I'm an idiot now. So yeah, I'm I couldn't sure. imagine. I couldn't <laughs> imagine myself. I couldn't imagine myself on social media when I was no 20, when I was twenty two years old. I, I'd be run off. You know, it, it's, and I think we expect a certain level of decorum from everyone 
when it comes to social media and, and things of that nature. And it's like, you know, some people are immature. Some people are um, less educated. Uh, I'm not saying all of these apply to Will. I don't, I don't know if he's a college grad. I don't know. But I'm just saying some people are immature. Some people are less educated. Uh, some people, um, you know, uh, raised a certain way. I mean, not everyone has the same level of decorum. I think talking about people in their early 20s, and I'm not necessarily, you know, giving Willow Spray a pass for, because he does come off like a doofus, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, we're all, and, and this, we're all so ready to just pounce on each other, you know, and, 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 and call people out. Everyone is so ready to take screen grabs of everything, you know, and it, it's just the culture we're in. And it's, it's tough to be immature in today's culture. I think that's that's the basic point I'm getting at. It's tough to be an immature, you know, D-bag in 2018 where all of that stuff is preserved forever because, you know, there's there's someone ready to screenshot every minor transgression you make. And I mm-hmm. don't and I don't necessarily think that's fair to young people today. Everyone's expected to be a super woke, enlightened, uh, leftist thinking. It's like, but some, it just isn't that way, you know? And, 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 and we're just ready to just destroy everyone who isn't aligned in those trains of thoughts. And it's just, I don't know. I, I feel uneasy about it. Yeah. Well, and I think more than anything for, for me, it's just that hey, he's like 24 years old and like 24 year olds do dumb shit. And like, Andrew, he's don't be doing, in stupid. Yeah. Right. And like, and, and he, like, as you said, he might be particularly dopey and stupid among 24 year olds, but whatever. Like, it's, I don't care. Like, I don't go into his match going, oh, this guy's a real idiot. Like, whatever. You know, I, I assume that most wrestlers are idiots. And, and like, the ones that aren't are, are cool, great, but I don't, it doesn't really affect the art in one way or another. It doesn't make me. It means nothing to me. Right. Like, Okada is a pretty dense human being like I, I i've heard okada talk in real like i don't think i would if i hung out with okada i don't know what we talk about it we'd probably shrug twice uh and, know, like talk about his wrestling and then like he'd walk away awkwardly and i would too and that'd be it and that, that's fine he could still be my favorite wrestler of all time even if like i have no desire to ever talk and hang out with this guy ever there's wrestlers i would love to hang out with that i don't think are great wrestlers you know are 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 among my favorites or i don't think are really great wrestlers but they're cool dudes to hang out with they're they're fun people to sort of talk with or whatever i've had many encounters with wrestlers that i don't personally feel are great but but would be pretty like eddie i feel like me and eddie kingston would have great conversations i feel like him and i would get along we talk about new york rap and like video games and stuff and we'd be great but like i don't want to see him wrestle Sammy Callahan loves N64. Like him and I could play N64 together and and dip together and do all that sort of shit. But I don't want to see the guy wrestle. It's like, but that doesn't affect. I I judge it by okay, the bell rang. It's Sammy Callahan, the wrestler, not Sammy Callahan, the person, or whatever. You know, or or Eddie Kingston, the person, or whatever. You know, there's so many of those different. And I'm just bringing up two random examples of guys that I, you know, I see live a little bit. Not really. I don't know much about their personal lives. I don't know. I haven't really hung out with those. You know, like I said, I haven't. Just sort of how I feel of their social media personas. And then you got Will Ospreay's social media persona, which yeah, I wouldn't want to hang out with Will Ospreay. He seems like a dumb shit. Like I don't really want to. He seems kind of like a doofy, you know, dumbass 24 year old that just kind of does whatever he wants at any given moment or whatever. But that doesn't mean that I, I dislike his matches because he's dumb. You know what I mean? Or like, and, and again, like I'm not classifying him when I'm, when we're saying dumb, I'm not actually alluding to his intelligence level. Cause I don't know. I'm just saying it's, like, it's, I think sort of persona on, on social media is like, you know, he does dumb things sometimes. Some people are just smarter in the ways they present themselves to the public on social media. Some people just know how to play that game better than others. Will Osprey is a guy who has no clue how to play that game. And I'm not sure he cares. And then there's other people with 
carefully guarded online personas who we don't know what's going on for real with these people, you know, and I won't take it any further than that, but it's like some people just know how to play the game better. Yeah. Oh, a, like, a guy that I always bring up is, is Zach Sabre Jr. I think he has a great for like exactly what people want him to hear. And that's all he tweets out. And, and he doesn't yeah. get into a bunch he, of other random stuff. Damn. You never see him flying into a bunch of mentions, you know, arguing with people. He'll tweet out whatever his thought is on some, you know, political issue and talk about where he's booked this weekend. And then he's done. And then he's out and he goes away. Like you don't see him. Hey, I'm going to this party or hey, fuck you. You know, I, you know, it just, I, here's my opinion. Here's where he I'm going. Troll wars <laughs> like, and, Right. Is there a guy better suited for today's culture in terms of how he thinks than Zach Sabre? So oh, he, he's, he nails it. Yeah. He drops his left wing point of view and disappears, and everybody applauds. And that's yeah, or, only, promotes, and, or promotes a show. He does a great job too. Hey, I'm going to be in Chikara this yeah. weekend, or I'm at Progress this weekend wrestling this guy. Can't wait to see you, or, you know, I'm going to beat him. Da, 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 I'm going to stretch him, whatever. And then out. And then that's it. It's not like, yeah. you know, arguing back and forth about the booking of, you know, his carries, whatever. He did, comes in. And, and you don't know. You know nothing about his personal life. He doesn't argue if someone doesn't like his match, you know, and that's a guy. Yeah, who I don't know what bar he's at after the show. Stuff. I don't see him taking selfies no with fans after at some bar after yeah. the show, even though I know he is and I know he's going, but it's like, I don't, you know, I don't see it. I, I, he's not out there. He's not, you know, he, he keeps a very well, close. Well, Are we being fair then? Because let me ask you this. One of the running themes on this show is we talk about we're in the reality era. And if a person is likable, exploit it and, and, and it'll get them over. So if it's fair to enjoy a performer because he's likable, because his real life persona is likable, is it fair to dislike a performer because you think his real life persona is a douchebag? Are we being unfair here? Are we unfairly saying you shouldn't judge Will Ospreay on his Twitter account if we're sitting here telling people, you know, we should tell the real life story of Johnny Gargano because he's a cool guy and it's a great story. Right, it's right. Hypocritical. I ask. Um, I think it all depends on how those two are aligned and how well the company sort of play that up. If if, if Will Ospreay's wrestler persona, which at times I think was, and that's sort of one of the things I loved about Will Ospreay when he was uh, a lot of the UK Will Ospreay, more so than New Japan, where he doesn't really quite have I don't know a, a full on like fully developed character, or whatever, but. There was times where, where I would get in arguments with people, and they're like, "Well, why do you do this? Why do you do this?" And I'm like, "Well, he's a dumbass," and he kind of wrestles to that as well. And like that was sort of the gimmick in in some of those UK promotions, some of those matches that he was just kind of like a loudmouth dumbass. Like the Vader match is one of those two where it's just like he, you know, he just kept talking, and it's like just stop, you know, whatever. And like there's ways he can kind of play that up, and he can be sort of unlikable in a pressing sense because of the way he sort of handles this on Twitter. But New Japan hasn't really played that up, so I think it it all depends on what company who's doing it and like it's I, I think it's much more difficult for like independent wrestlers to meld those two because they're always working in different places like very few people you know mjf is about the only guy you know uh, maybe an all ego ethan page is a great guy who sort of blends what they are on twitter and where they are in their social presence and then what they are in, in wrestling but for some of these guys it's so hard because what will osprey does in japan isn't what he's going to be in in australia and isn't what he's going to be in the uk and isn't going to be what he, i mean when you have these globe trotter you know traveling all over the place it's really hard to keep one uniform consistent you know approach to because Zack Sabre Jr. is even different where he goes different places in evolve he's not the same as is as he is in AEW. he's two different characters really in, in those two so i feel like it's hard then to do that whereas big companies 
that's your guy. You're telling that story. You're telling a cohesive story with X or whatever. Johnny Gargano, you have – he's not going anywhere else. He's not doing anything else. He's in NXT. He's in WWE. You can tell that one story, whereas those Globetrotter guys are all bounced. I mean, nothing is alike. Every promotion can book those guys and, and use them in different ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I see your point. I see, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, I was just interested in, in whether you thought that was hypocritical or not. And, but I think you make a good point in that what we always say is exploited as part of their wrestling persona, who they really are, uh, and, and, and highlight the good of who they are and highlight what's appealing about them. I suppose if you want to go the other way and highlight what's unlikable about someone, hey, we talked about last week with TJP. When he was a baby face, they presented him as this, this guy who just scratched and crawled his way to the top and went through hard times. And he had a a cool, relatable story, and it felt good for him when he won the Cruiserweight Classic. Now they're sort of presenting the other side of TJP, this like like entitled, but it's turned up to ten. You know, this entitled, spoiled. I, you know, I, you know, it's sort, you know, it's if you're exploiting it, their personalities to enhance their persona. You know, I think I think that's fine. But what human? is going to allow themselves to be exploited. They're the worst of them to be exploited. <laughs> right, right. And admit to a lot. Most people have trouble admitting to their own shortcomings mm-hmm. and faults. So, you know, anyway, I think that's a longer form discussion um, and, and not really, um, but, but, you know, we've, we've blown a lot of time on it already. Maybe that's for another day. We could really dig deep on that. Cause I think yeah, it's an interesting time. Yeah, no, it'd be, it'd be super fun. So we should do that. I'll move on to some other matches here. We got Naito defeating Yoshihashi. I, I was really surprised that I enjoyed this match as much as I did. What were your thoughts on this one? I didn't really like it. I thought it was okay. Um, it was 16 minutes that felt like 36 minutes to me. It did I feel it long. Was, it did feel long. I, I will admit that. And I thought it was fine. Um, but I thought it was more or less, you know, a slightly above average match. It didn't do a ton for me. I'm going to piss a lot of people off, but. I, I've just had it with Tetsuya Naito. I, I think I've had it with him. Uh-oh. Uh, no, I mean, Uh-oh. I just, I mean, I think part of it's the gimmick. Without question, the gimmick, and I've talked to this before. Well, you're an effort guy. You like effort in sports. You like effort in re- – and then yeah. he's uh, his character is I don't put effort into things. Bingo. So I, and I could see how that would really you know, kind of get at you. His gimmick are things that go against everything that I like, right. like you just said. You his gimmick all, is that he's low effort. Slacking millennials. So I, you, of course you would hate Tetsuya Naito. Oh, you're putting words in my mouth. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's probably I know the real Joe, though. <laughs> I mean, he's almost my age. The guy. I mean, come that's on, true, he's right, not right. a spring no, chicken a, here. No, he's um, a slacky millennial, even though he's yeah, 38. But that's, or what is but, he? 35? Uh, yeah, 35. Uh, 36 or something. I don't know. Okay. But um, you know, it's 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 yeah. The gimmick is sort of a slacker gimmick, a guy who doesn't put in a ton of effort. But yeah, and the it's also like an you know, an anti-authority thing. And I'm, I've never been into that either. You know what I mean? And it's, it, I don't, it's just, so the gimmick is part of it. Um, and it's just, I don't know. He's just, he's, he's had so many matches. He works this methodical style. And when it goes somewhere, I love it. Like the Elgin match last year around this time was so fucking good, you know? And he had a couple G1 matches that were slow burns and, um, you know, he, I really understand why people call him a genius worker when I see him put in performances like that. But then you have a match like this where he just kind of slogs through it. And look, I know Yoshihashi is not any kind of well-rounded super worker or anything like that. Um, but Yoshi and Yoshi, and, and maybe this was just a styles clash because Yoshihashi is a guy who's at his best 
when he's making frenetic comebacks and working a quicker pace. Would you agree with that? He's sort of uh, a for sure, and that's that's actually one of the reasons why I like this match. I think at, at times he did do that. Yeah, well, that's his that's his wheelhouse. Yeah, so right. You would think that from those lariats out of nowhere, you know, coming out of nowhere, bouncing off the ropes, hitting with a nice lariat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yoshihashi's at his best when he's making a screaming comeback. You know that that's who he is. And he's naturally an underdog because he's not a pushed guy and all those sorts of things. But to me, you know, on paper, it probably should have worked for those two reasons. Naito fucks around, you know, it, you know, methodically tries to put this guy away who's lower than him. Yoshihashi makes the cut. But I was never compelled by Yoshihashi's comebacks. Obviously, the outcome was never in doubt. I don't know. I just didn't love it. I thought it was like a three-star match. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I, I enjoyed it probably a little bit more than you. And and when I say that, I don't mean that, oh, it's four and a half or whatever. I'm probably at about three and three quarters, four, somewhere in that range short, because I thought that the comebacks uh, by Yoshiashi were pretty good. And that he was able to kind of do that a little bit. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it was kind of that same thing that I, I, I didn't think it got to the next level. And I've seen some people have it at like really high and really, really enjoyed it. And I don't think I was quite at that, but I think I enjoyed it more than you because I think Yoshihashi afforded himself pretty well in this. And that's that's kind of why I was surprised because I've been very, very hit or miss on Yoshihashi as of late. And and especially after that Omega match and, and after a few other matches that he's had that just have not really delivered. Really, the last year of Yoshihashi has just kind of been nothing and, and really nothing going there. So finally seeing him do this and finally seeing him really afford himself and, and look like he could hang was pretty cool. Cool, but I do enjoy the idea that, you know, at the end of the day, Naito just was kind of playing around with him and, and could just kind of push him off whenever he needed to. But I enjoy the idea that Yoshihashi, you know, put up a fight or what a bit. So I, I liked it a little bit more than you, but uh, yeah, I, I'm still not at like an, oh my God, this was just an incredible match or whatever. But I, I did think it was pretty solid and and, and I definitely, uh, yeah, definitely would say I yeah. liked it more than you did. But uh, we'll move on to uh, Bushi. Well, we should Gita. talk about, we oh, should quickly talk about the, the angle post-match where Taichi came out. Oh, right. Of course. Yeah, of course. So Taichi has been talking about. There's a lot of talk. He's going to heavyweight. Um, so we're going to do Taichi. Yeah, if you've been watching the promos, it's been something where Naito was kind of prodding at him, like, ah, you, you, you know, you could have gone heavyweight and then you didn't because you're lazy, or I forget what the exact wording was or whatever. And which again is somewhat, of, which is somewhat rooted in reality. Yeah, which right. Is kind of, you know, he Taichi and and Taguchi, Taguchi are two yeah. guys that had opportunities to go heavyweight and both declined. Uh, you know, Taguchi more famously, I think. I think that story's more out there. I mean, he just right. didn't want to go heavy. They, you know, and and I don't. I'm not even sure. Like, he's a pretty big guy, Taguchi. You know, I, you know, but he's he's not interested. In it. He's a guy. You know, and Taichi's another guy who had opportunities to go heavyweight. Yeah. Just, Unfortunately, becoming the 69th uh, junior champion was more important to Kurosaki Taguchi. Which listen, you know, when you see Kurosaki, you get it. Like, you get that this guy would be more interested in. in now, if I there's mean, a guy who's going to use Benoit balls in a match, oh, absolutely. Oh, that's yeah, your absolutely. Your, your man that went out of his way to become the 69th <laughs> junior heavyweight champion. So. You know, I think I know the answer to this one already. We like to talk about the the nightstand next to the Krejci bed in uh, in the bedroom uh-huh. there, and yeah. I know I feel you squirming already. Yeah, yeah. Go you on. have Benoit balls in the night. No. You have Benoit balls Why in the nightstand. I no, I know. You know how I know you didn't? I got to tell you, number one, because <laughs> of course anti- I didn't. But okay, go on. You've been very anti-anal play. I have. Okay? Yes. Number two. That's what I've had, yes. You looked it up on Wikipedia when I brought it up. <laughs> I, I really didn't know what you were talking about at first. So. You didn't know what they were. So I know you don't have them in, in the Krejci nightstand. Um, I got to tell you, you're not going to find them in the lands of the nightstand either. You won't find the Benoit balls. Seems a little aggressive. Never... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's quite. Look, I'm not anti-Benoit ball, but they've never been part of the repertoire. You know what I mean? Like everyone's got certain guns in the holster. You know, Benoit balls are not part of. <laughs> you know, the land's a toy box. You know what I'm saying? I, I've never been a Benoit ball guy. Now, 
if someone says, hey, Joe, I'd, I'd really like you to use these Benoit balls on me, I, who am I to say no? No, I mean, you know, I, you know, you've got to react to their request. I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, Absolutely. Pick your orifice and and let's do this thing, you know? Just let me know when to pull, you know? It's like a it's like a lawnmower, you know, one of those old manual lawnmowers. Just let me know when to pull and I'll, I'll yank them out and we'll see what we can get done here, you know? But, I, you know, it's uh, that's not really a great advertisement. Eisman for my Benoit ball abilities. I, but here's the thing: I don't use them, so you know, I, I'm not. I'm not I, I admit to not being a master of the Benoit ball. But uh, is there like a technique that would really work better? I, I mean, think there's a like- technique. The idea is to pull them out as the moments happen, and you know the moment, Rich. Oh, of course. You're supposed yeah. to pull them out as the moments happen, and that's the key. Oh, Whether okay. So I can see there being a, a, a tough time. You go too early, too late, you know. Yeah, you got to know. I think too you late to be know. like, oh, come on. Like, I don't want it now. Like, now's uh, the yeah. time. Like, I think, <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, great. It's now. Yeah, perfect. See, you get it. See, don't let Rich fool you. You know, yeah. you, you pull them Benoit balls out a couple seconds too late, and that's the opposite of pleasure, yeah, you know? Ow. Yeah, why did you? Yeah, okay, you really, right. you're like, leave him in now, you know? I, let yeah, me at, this point, right at this now. point, just, yeah, I'll just keep it in for you, the, the Benoit ball, and and you got to be careful because you got to. I think the thing with the Benoit ball is it's really you got to like most things in the bedroom. You really got to know your partner. You know, you got to know their trademark body cues and noises that they make when that moment's coming. You know, so you can time it right. I don't recommend the Benoit ball for like a Tinder encounter. Yeah, or a, your match date. <laughs> yes, date, or yeah. a first time, you know, with someone. As I always tell, you know, a, a very famous, uh, you know, uh, Lanza uh, uh, thing that I say all the time. The first time is always the worst time. I think we would all agree on that. You don't know the person yet. You're testing out your moves, but you don't know if this person likes your moves. They're testing out their go-to stuff, but that you, their go-to stuff might not work on you. You might have certain places that are off limits that they like to attack. You know what I mean? You might like to attack certain things that they have off. The first time is the worst time, my friend. I think we'd all agree. And the last place you want to introduce Benoit balls is the first time. Things are awkward enough. You don't want to get, you know, you ever have like first time awkward. No one knows where to put their hands. You don't know if it's okay to do certain thing. The last thing you need to do is reach into the crate nightstand and pull out a bead of fucking Benoit balls to add on top of that awkwardness. Right. You know what I'm saying? Cracking skulls. You're, you know, you're trying to maneuver a different way. Okay. No, no, hold on. One, one sec. One sec. Yeah. Yeah. You know, always... She's already pretending to like you at this point. The last thing she wants to see. <laughs> well, that's, that's a, a constant in my life. The pretending it's, to like, but it's, it's like, you know, that's not what you, it's, you don't want to introduce the Benoit balls the first time, you know, so um, great advice. Thank you. Joe. What, were we, what were we talking about? Though? Uh, I believe we we're talking about Gato and Bucci, but uh... so Gato and Bucci, <laughs> I thought this, what was good about this was they this didn't a go out sexualized match too. So I guess we could, yeah, it was, it was, it was I mean, there's a lot of beard pulling and mask yeah, ripping. I don't, know, this, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Now listen, I have no clue how that's sexual at all, but I'd love for you to explain, but I'd rather not. Um, is that what goes on in the crate bed? There's oh, a lot yeah, of beard yeah. pulling oh, and yeah. mask ripping. Yeah, oh. Really? Oh, so you you guys bust out like the fetish masks, <laughs> oh, right? Oh yeah, it's it's it gets yeah it gets. And you're like Laparka and fucking and and trauma too, just ripping the fucking masks open by blood the eye, right? Yeah, blood everywhere, chairs getting thrown. Yeah, yeah, beard all over the place. Yeah, yeah exactly. you're like setting lawn chairs on fire and power bombing <laughs> them through, right? 
there's all kinds of stuff going on, man. You're that's that's dog. that's how you do it, my friend. All right. Yeah, I mean, you know, on his uh, take your bedwall balls and shove them. I'm gonna, you know, light a chair on fire. And, what's the and, you know, riches? You're, if you're into fire play, that's your deal. I'm not. <laughs> I I am the last person to kink shame. All right. If you like dabbling with flames, I'm uh, look. I'm not about that. I'm not about that flame life. But if that's what you're into. It's all good, man. You got cattle prods like the Mountie in your fucking nightstand. Are you into the electroshock deal? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Branding, you know, you got to brand your your your. Yeah, oh yeah. There's like it's yeah. You know, people are into that that electric shit. Okay, so we got <laughs> okay, Bushi please. and Gato, <laughs> which I don't know how the hell this is sexual. I don't know why. No, I have no but, idea. I was just trying to find a, a terrible way to segue, but it, it didn't work. So what I enjoyed about this is they worked it to the storyline. They didn't go out there and try to have a fucking four star match. Uh, Gato went after the mask. Bushi went after the beard. I have no clue why this wasn't mask versus beard. And, you know, these guys had an issue. They went out there in the mid card and they settled it. And Bushi picked up the win. I enjoyed this. I thought it was a lot of fun. I didn't need this to be a four star match. I needed this to be exactly what it was. Yeah, I was right with you. It was like one of those things where, yeah, like when it was all said and done, 10 minutes went by and it wasn't like, oh, this is a match that I need to definitely write down or what. But it was like these dudes entertain me for 10 minutes. And because of the build and because of, of you know, you know, Gato stealing the masks and, and, and Bushi came out with a pair of shears or whatever. I was interested in every second of this match because it's like, all right, what's going to happen? Is he going to rip the mask off again? Is is Bushi going to get a hold of Gato's beard and, and, and cut it off or whatever? It was like 10 minutes because they built the story perfectly. It was an exciting 10 minutes and it was, a, you know, when it was all said and done, kind of an inconsequential match. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but these guys had a fun little, you know, month, month and a half story that they played out. It ended here and, and it was cool. It was like, good. These guys in a rare moment, Bushi gets kind of a, a, a fun little feud to kind of play around with. Gato gets a fun little feud to play around with and they have a, a good little match as well. So it's like 10 minutes entertained. That's all you can really ask for out of this. So I, yeah, I was, I, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, let's burn through the first half of the show here. Yeah, the other stuff doesn't matter. I, I mentioned the God of Kitamura. Uh, that was the opener. I really enjoyed it. Uh, what were your thoughts on it real quick? This was the best of the Kitamura matches so okay. far. Okay, that's what I thought so too. And I was curious if other people would have that thought. But I, I thought it was unquestionably the best of his so far. Uh, Suzuki Gun, it was Desperado and Kanemura defeating a Rapungi 3K. Were you a little uh, interested in the upset there with a Desperado or Kanemura getting the win over well, 3K? Yeah, I mean, I, I figured they would win to set up the title match. And I thought right, it was right. a... I thought it was a cool little match. And, you know, I think that they've through the whole tour with Desperado and Kanemuru and the six man and eight man matches sort of stealing the titles and posing with them on the turnbuckles. You kind of have a feeling they were going to win here and get the title match. But Rich, I'm fucking annoyed because as we're going to talk about, are we doing this 46th anniversary? Uh, well, I, I do want to. Yeah, I think we should briefly touch, we'll on, touch on the okay. matches yeah. announced. Well, this is one of them. You know, they tell this great little story on this tour. They have Suzuki Gun win the non-title match. And here we go again with fucking three-way mania. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're shoot. Why the fuck are Hiromu and Bushi being inserted into this match? It's absolute bullshit. Um, you know, I, I don't like it. Why not just redo that? Why not give the team that pulled this upset on the high-profile card the title match and then do Hiromu and Bushi? Listen, Andrew Rich had the perfect answer on Twitter when someone said, uh, well, what's the alternative? And he's like, the answer is easy. You, you have Rapongi 3K beat Suzuki Gun at the anniversary show. And on the undercard, you have Bushi and Hiromu beat Jushin Liger and Tiger Mask. And you set up your next challengers. This isn't reinventing the fucking wheel. The fucking, the, making these three ways. I thought we were over this. Yeah. I mean, another, <laughs> yeah. that was this little feud. 
And it's just because it sets up perfectly. These guys, like you said, these guys won. They get the title shot. Okay, there you go. Like, it doesn't need any more than that. People are trying to dancing around. Okay, well, what do you do? And what do you do with this team? Whatever. Like, do whatever you want with this team. But, like, this team won. They get the title shot. It's it's that simple. I don't know what. Yeah, it, it, I don't care about Bushi and Hiromu right yeah, now. I, I don't give a shit. They can team. figure out something. They can be in a six-man or, like, like Andrew Rich said, they can just be in another match and win that match, and then they have the next shot. There you what go. What a concept, right? Winning I know. Unbelievable. Title <laughs> it's shots. Like, they do it in every other part of the – but it's – yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's, just, it's just the way they set up title matches lately and company you, you either lose up or you just fucking get thrown in a three-way you know and I'm, I'm tired of it it's driving me crazy and it ruins this whole angle for me I'm, I'm i'm way less interested in the junior tag team title match at anniversary than i would have been if it was just in the well, and a bigger reason show. why too is is because this match played into you know the back selling that we saw from the, the few months prior with, with yes i which I, i'm mixing it up right now is it show that's that's well, in this match, it was show. It has been yo. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, that's I, I was making sure I didn't mix them up. That's that's what I thought. So, yeah, but that's cool. Now they're sort of playing up that these guys, you know, now the other back is attacked. So both dudes are coming in with Planet. So it makes so much more sense then when you have just a one-on-one match. Like these dudes, you know, took down, you know, shows back or whatever, got him built up and ready to go for that next title. And then they've won their, they, they beat the, you know, they're ready for that next title shot or whatever. They've proven it's just like it, it, it makes so much sense to do it that way. They've 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 softened them up and they're ready to to, to go for the kill. Yeah. And then now it's like, oh yeah, no, there's another team there. Just cause, you know. Can't stand it. Why not? Yeah, it's it's really shitty. I'm with you on that one. I dislike it. Um this was Taguchi Japan. It was uh, Taguchi, Kushida, Michael Elgin, and Togi Makabe versus Taka, Taiichi, Azuka, Minoru Suzuki, wh- whatever. I mean, I don't know. You're getting to your Makabe Suzuki face off. They're going to have a match at anniversary. This was just your standard issue eight man tag. It was fine. Yeah, fine. They screamed at each other and things happened, and that was all about it. Uh, And then we'll move on to the next one. That's only one about seven minutes, so not a ton here. It was Toriyano, Tomoro Ishii, and Jay White uh, defeating David Finley, Juice Robinson, and Toa Hanare. Uh, Best part about this match is Jay White just doing those fucking MMA elbows until the referee had to stop it. And that was a great fucking love that finish. I love the knockout. the, The referee just has to stop you from dying finish. I love that. And it more guys fits his that. character to a T. Yep. You know, he's a fucking murderer. He will kill you. Um, so, you know, it, it, this is, yeah, this, I, I love that he added that and it's really coming together for him. It's because so, you know what his finish, I'll be honest, like the, the, whatever, we're again, we're blowing it again. What the hell is finishes? It, it's kind of awkward. It's kind of weird or whatever. If he finishes half his matches with this, the, the, the MMA elbows, and I don't know if there's a the name for it quite yet. I would love it. I think it's a way better thing and it looks more impactful. I mean, it's such a great way to, for him. To, and it's just because the referee has to rip him off or whatever that I think that part's awesome where it's just like, he, it's not a pinfall. It's not like a, it, it it wasn't just that he got the better of this guy on this night that he fucking killed this guy. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. such a he's such an asshole and he's such a you know loose cannon or whatever that that it, it you need to rip him off the guy so he doesn't absolutely kill him. And it's like he doesn't need to just use regular moves. I, he's got to feel and look different, and this is a great way of doing that. He didn't look and feel different when he just had a move and pinned him. It's just like oh, all yes. right, whatever. Yes, and it's a move that puts him over as a as like a fucking psychopath. Mm-hmm. And let's pick on WWE while we're praising New Japan. Um, because I want to annoy our hate listeners. You want to do okay, that for a second? Love, oh yeah, absolutely. You already said you hated Naito, so that that'll that'll work yeah. pretty well. But the, but see, our true hate listeners, if we pick on WWE in, while comparing them to how great New Japan is, oh yeah, yeah, people are gonna get. I can, I can see the that. tweets right now. People have them in the drafts, ready to go. So that'll They're be they biting their teeth, right? So what I find interesting, if this Jay White, like Jay White, has totally dominated David Finley in this little feud that they're having, right? Like. He dominated before he left, and they set the scene. 
and now he's dominating them. Um, you know, now that he's come back, if this were WWE, you know, damn well, these two guys would be trading wins on raw every week. Yep. And who does that serve? Right. Finley you would have not lost 10 in a row. Finley would not be pounding the mat going, God damn it. One of these days I'm going to get you. It would be, yeah, that's a good point. He wouldn't week. have lost. He wouldn't have lost the seven in a row to begin with, you know? And it's like, yeah, you're, you're right. You're so right about that. You know, they would have just traded wins before white left, but even upon return, they'd be fucking trading wins. They'd be forming an uneasy tag team. They'd be, Oh no, we've won the title. All right. Well, I guess we have to be a team now. Like, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah you know, they'd win the tag team titles oh, while he, God, that's the worst trope. I hate that trope. So yeah, the commissioner would, would be, they'd be at odds with Daniel Bryan or something. It would just be fucking shit. And it just goes to show that you can tell a compelling pro wrestling story where one guy just thoroughly dominates the other. And it doesn't have to, and it's still compelling. It's still interesting. David White is in the, in the words of Jim Cornette talking about Kenny King. He's a preliminary fucking wrestler. And this is what you do. And he's an excellent wrestler, but that's what he is. He's a preliminary fucking wrestler. And this is what you do with preliminary wrestlers. You use them to put over the stars. And Jay White is just thoroughly dominating this man at every turn. And it's helping him look great in the process, coming off a loss to Hiroshi Tanahashi, coming off a title win over Kenny Omega, where he was outclassed for the majority of the match and won it fair and square but was outclassed for the majority of the match. But it's almost like you don't remember any of that because he's been so thoroughly dominating and has come off so psychopathic against David Finley that he's starting to get over as a serious threat anyway. And you didn't have to hurt Tanahashi or Omega to do it. Now, those are hindsight glasses. I still would have had him beat Tanahashi. I'm not changing my stance on that. But, what they've done since that point has been brilliant with this guy. And to his credit, he's made it work. So and I think the, the flip side of that too, is I think in some ways you can tell a great story in Finley now, because what was Finley doing for the last God 12? I mean, I don't, I don't want to extend a full year, but I mean, you really could. I mean, what, what's he been doing the last 10 months? Absolutely fucking nothing. He's just been there. It's been a guy that walks out this now. And, and this is why, again, like you said, Sometimes losing a lot of times can, and we've seen it time and time again in New Japan. The difference of going 50 50, nobody, who gives a shit? Why would you care about David Finley if him and Jay White were just, you wouldn't give a shit about Jay White. You wouldn't give a shit about David Finley if on, on the next, on, you know, on a rising Jay White, you know, lost to David Finley. And then on a rising night two, David Finley, be, you know, if they just flip flop, whatever. But this now you can build up a story where, where, where David Finley is going to get, people are going to rally behind him. We see it with the Young Lions. We see it with a, a Kawata. We've seen it with a Hanma. We've seen it with, with guys like Juice Robinson, where their losing becomes endearing. And then the crowd really wants to be there for that moment when they finally get that win. And every night they're going to go there and go, oh, oh, this is the time. Finley's going to finally get it. And when he doesn't get it, they're going to go, ah, oh, damn it. But they're going to root the hell out of that because they want him to win. They want that guy that can't if, win to be to win, not only because they want him to sort of feel good and, and, and finally get that win, but the crowd wants to be there. They want to be in that moment. Because when that moment happens, it's going to be awesome. 
Yeah, I don't know if he's happens. Ever, but if he does get it, it's going to be right. Phenomenal. And and that's and that's kind of the fun intrigue of it. And we talked about with Hanma. I would never have Hanma win. If Hanma never won a match ever, I would have been fine with it because people were never going to get sick of that. And that's a testament. I was to all Odyssey about that. Ring. Yeah, and, 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 and that's a testament that. to Hanma's in ring work. But it's a testament to, to to how that crowd sort of looks at people and those pe- uh, losers. If you lose spectacularly and if you lose so dramatically every single time, people are going to get involved in that and get invested in that. That losing, that that constant losing is is in some ways could be a positive if you make it that way. And it could be for Finley. Finley could lose yeah. the next 20 matches and then the one that he gets is going to be a huge deal. And he's going to leapfrog any of the 15 matches he may have won if they went back and forth for 30 matches. If Finley yeah. was 15 and 15, none of those wins would mean a goddamn thing. But if he's 1 and 29, that one is going to be as powerful as any of those other 15 would have been. Yeah. But, you know. Without question. Got to trade back and forth. So, <laughs> you know, everyone's got to – can't can't and no one has to go down. No one's got to go up or whatever. But the, the, the silly part about that is in losing, Finley's going up. I don't think anybody thinks of him – as worse off than he was 10 months ago. I think they think he's he's worse off if he's just toiling around in tag matches, sitting on the apron, or taking a fall in a random six-man tag. But nobody cares. Yeah, He's out there, he's busting his ass, and he's 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 trying to learn different things. He's he's talking about it in promos, and the, and the crowd's rallying behind him. They want this guy to win. And he's not going to win for a while. But that's the fun of the story. So it, it's it's it, you're so right, and I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up, because it's such a great story to tell, and it's one that they've told time and time again, and are so good at doing it. But... Uh... The big boys don't tell that story. They everyone's neutral, and that's why they that's why they haven't created any stars in years. But whatever, they made made a lot of money this year, Joe. So you can't criticize them. So, so we've got the honor rising coming up. I think because that starts now. You, you want to talk about honor rising next week? It will not uh, have started the twenty third. So we that's a Friday. Will, we can talk about it next week. Yeah, you want to do that? Let's blow that off. But what I do want to do is. Um, you know, March 6th. Oh, we should have said, duh, I should have said, Rey Mysterio also came out. And oh, yeah, yeah, we need to talk about that. You're right, because I have thoughts. <laughs> Whoops, on. yeah, sorry. So Rey Mysterio uh, cut a, uh, this was, I forget after which match, I think after, one. I forget which one, maybe that first tag, and then maybe it's, they went yeah, all Yeah, it's not even really important, honestly. Anyway, uh, he has a video, Rey Mysterio says, I'm, I'm coming to New Japan, he's going to wrestle in Long Beach, and he challenged Juice and Thunder Liger, and Juice and Thunder Liger, uh, Accepted the challenge. So we got Justin Liger and Rey Mysterio in Long Beach uh, for the New Japan in America, New Japan USA uh, show. So, Joe, what are your thoughts on Rey Mysterio coming in? I have a lot of negative thoughts on this. Um, the one positive thought right off the bat is that's a great fucking dream match, right? Um, I guess I should have done my homework and seen if they've ever had a singles match before. I don't believe so because, well, because Mysterio's never been in New Japan ever. No. So WCW is the only shot, right? That would be it, and I don't think they ever had any crossover because by the time Mysterio was in, Liger was—I mean, maybe no, because Mysterio didn't come in until '96, and Liger was, I think, last was '95 for him. I don't, I don't know if he ever popped oh, really? up again. Really, let me... he never popped up randomly. Um, <sighs> you might be right about that. Let's let's get the pred- you know what? No, he did. No, he did. You know what? He did in like 2000. That the what the pinata on a pole match, oh, or whatever. Shit, yeah. Yeah, he was in that, but I don't uh, don't think they had any crossover. Let, let me find out if they've ever been in the ring together. I right, get the and, producer uh, on the line. We'll find right. out. And then, uh, but but yeah. Oh, so from that never, perspective. Never in a tag match, never in a singles match, never in anything. They've never been in a ring together, which... Nope. Okay, now that's cool. I think that's awesome. Here's the problem. You didn't use it to sell a single ticket. Because, number one, you announced it after the show was already sold out. So, what the oh, fuck are you... darn it. I'm sorry. Starcade 96. People are... I, we've already gotten 6,000 tweets about Starcade 96, so I probably... 
I, I looked up I looked up Mysterio with the Y. It's Mysterio with the uh, Y. So they had a match where? Starcade ninety six in the Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't remember it. WCW, um, yeah. But anyway, still, you book this match, which I think is a perfect match for American crowds. Rich, we talk about it all the time. Jushin Liger is a non-entity in Japan. Legend on the undercard. He never gets pushed. Doesn't want to be pushed. He's a big deal to American fans because of those WCW runs and and those sorts of things and the magazine covers. And it's you know this is probably the match I would have put him in. I, I Mysterio Liger is perfect for Long Beach. The problem is the show was already sold out and you didn't use it to make a dollar. You know why not announce now? Maybe they didn't have the deal closed. But why not announce this before you put tickets on sale? Now, in hindsight, it wouldn't have mattered because the show sold out anyway. Mm-hmm. But now, the other problem with this is if you know you have Rey Mysterio, I, I argued on one of our Patreon business show updates that they should have run a bigger building. Everyone's arguing that they should have run a bigger building. Now, if you know you've got Rey Mysterio in play, how the fuck are you not running a bigger building? Um, because look, that plays right to your core audience too. Your New Japan USA fans are hardcore fans who would love to see Rey Mysterio wrestle in New Japan. It's it's a it's a and look, he doesn't come cheap. This is a this basically is an expensive expenditure that doesn't make them a dollar in my opinion, at least in the short term. It might put some attention on the show. But I don't know, man. I don't know. If I'm booking Rey Mysterio Jr., I am using him to attempt to sell tickets. I'm not announcing him after the show's already sold out. I think this was botched. Well, what I, what, well I, in a, to an extent, I agree, but we also have to remember this is a TV property as well, and this is something that is going to air live on Access Television. And that could be a big thing about it too, is like, look, we have X amount. Maybe we don't want to get too big for our britches and book too big of a building or whatever, but we're going to try to get a lot of eyes on this. And if we can get 1,000 more people, 2,000 more people, three, whatever, to watch because Rey Mysterio is on, on Access TV. Maybe they live in, in the East Coast and they have no way of getting L.A. or they had no way before WrestleMania weekend or whatever. We're going to get eyes on here. We're going to get people talking about it and watching it on Access TV. And then we can parlay that Access TV into, oh, hey, New Japan's always on Access TV. You let, you enjoyed this? Well, we got a lot of our stuff too. We're always showing every Friday, da 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 or whatever. And I think that's going to be one of the big draws, more so than anything. So there is the, the ticket component because I do – I 100% agree with you. I think – I, I'm of the mindset, too, and I think you and I both agree that they could have booked a, build, a bigger building. We saw that when they sold out in you know two seconds or whatever. So they could book a, build, a bigger building if they wanted to. They could sold, have sold a lot more tickets to Rey Mysterio, but we have to remember this is also a TV property, too. This is a big thing with Access TV. They're airing it live. They're promoting it as 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 being a big deal live on TV, and that's you know he's a guy that's going to maybe not buy – maybe not anymore you're going to get any more tickets, but he's going to attract eyes to the TV product, and that's a big thing for them, too. That's fair. It's a it's an excellent point. But one thing I do want to say though, before we move on though, that you, and you sort of alluded to it a little bit as well, when you talk about like dream match, and and the, and the, ter- the term dream match gets like thrown around a bunch of times now. But like Mysterio and Jason Thunder Liger is like one of those ones. You know what I mean? Those are like generationally great high flyers. I don't remember the Starcade '96 match. Maybe I'll go back and, and check it out and see. But these are ones where you know, off the top of my head, we're both huge fans of both guys, and we didn't know that they wrestled. You know, <laughs> in 1996 or whatever. Yeah. So obviously, to a lot of people, this is going to be something that's like, you know, is never before seen thing or whatever. So and just seeing Rey Mysterio mix it up, and he's a guy that I'm still a, a pretty big fan of. Seeing it mix him up with the New Japan guys is going to be pretty fun as well. So uh, 
I hope that more than anything, it's not just a one-off that he's he's there for a few more times. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see there. But yeah, him versus uh, Liger is just absolutely because him versus pretty much anybody else on the roster would have just been maybe Hiromu would have been. But again, it's not Rey Mysterio of you know. 1996 you know if it was if it was Rey Mysterio 1996 absolutely 100 against Romo because then you got those psychosis matches you know to the umph degree again or whatever but Rey Mysterio as he is now you, you know in the state he is even though he looked pretty decent at the Royal Rumble you know Liger is probably the best opponent for him because those two can just kind of do some some of their basic spots and, and and get over pretty well but uh let's so we're, we're gonna shelf the honor rising for next week we'll preview it a little bit more next week uh we are I, gonna I, very quickly I, I yeah. yanked up a couple reviews for that match it doesn't look like it was anything special it looks like it was a really solid match Okay, so yeah, I don't remember. I'll have to go back and watch it. I uh, don't remember that at all, but uh, I'm sure at the entire time the announcers were talking about something else and probably cut away to the backstage <laughs> as well. So uh, Dave Meltzer gave it three and three quarters. Um, cage match consensus is almost seven flat. So it's like a really, it's like a very good match. Is okay. what it is. It's like a very good match, but nothing. Um, I don't think anyone's going to bury us for not remembering. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's fair. Well, no, I'm sure people will. I, like I said, in the in the in the minute that it took me to find out that they wrestled, we have already gotten 45 tweets about it. I Without question. Have. Yeah. 100. I cannot yeah. wait until 11 a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> Just thousands of tweets telling us Stargate 96, and then like 10 seconds later, oh, you guys got it. Okay. <laughs> That's my favorite thing in the world. I must tell these guys right now. Like, just wait a minute and see if we maybe get it. Yeah, we have all the world's information at our fingertips. Sometimes we will get something a minute later. Just, just, just chill. Just, I promise. Just to wait a minute. If we don't get it in five minutes, then okay. Then you could say hey, Stark and I six idiots. But you know, apply for the producer anyways. position. You know, <laughs> exactly. Or yes, if you'd like to be a producer, very great paying position. I can tell you, our producer. Um, We've been through well so many producers. It's unbelievable. I mean, well, we move on just, to bigger and better things. We got one guy's at the Dan Patrick show, you know, other guys. At the, I mean, these guys yeah. move on to bigger and better things. Yeah. They're not just, you know, pulling away, away on this it, stupid website. I mean, that's basically our producer position is you just have to have cage match at the ready for whenever we that's need. That's it. Yeah. We just kind of point at you and then you just look things up. You need to be very, right. here's what you need to put on your resume. You need to be, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, you, you read a job and they're like, you need to know the following programs. You need to be uh, proficient in PowerPoint. Right. In you Excel need to be and PowerPoint in Word. Yeah, right, right. You need to be proficient in cage match to be our producer. Like you really <laughs> need to know how to pull off. And listen, not everyone's proficient in cage match. You know, there's a lot of back alley ways you got to get to the information on the cage match. So study up on the cage match. Figure out how to get the and, and and that's what you need to be proficient at, cage match, and uh, well, it. I was gonna go down another Benoit ball road, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I'm gonna spare you, Rich. I'm Thank gonna you. Spare please you. do, please do. But uh, and you got to be, I mean, so you don't botch it like I did. We're we're you know down on producer right now, so I had to do it where where you type in Mysterio with a Y and and you get fucked and and you look like an idiot. You can't you can't do that. You got to try Y. It. You got to try yeah. I before you, you you immediately declare that they've never done it. So that's that really And if you if you could hack Rich's kink.com profile, I would prefer I would <laughs> right. that as well. Like Eddie with a Y, Eddie versus IE. I mean you gotta know that. You gotta nail it. If you don't, you're you, yeah, you know that's you can, true. Yeah. can really, really Put you in the damper, uh, really, really. Uh, but anyway, okay. Forty <laughs> sixth anniversary show, March sixth is going on here. We're going to touch on the card here real quick. Of course, as we approach the show, we'll do a much bigger preview for it. But um, as we know right now, the show is going to be at four a.m. Eastern time on that March or, or five a.m. Eastern time on March sixth, and it will have English commentary as well. So that that'll be pretty cool for the the fans that enjoy the English commentary, which I, I have been as of late. I think they've been doing a pretty good job. But uh, quickly, the card, uh, Tenzan, Liger, Tiger Mask, Kushida, Taguchi versus Nagata, Tohinari, Oka, Ominu, and Yagi. That's going to be your opener. Kitamura versus Nakanishi as your uh, seven-match trial series. 
there. Tomohiro Ishii and Toriyano versus Juice Robinson and David Finley. IWGP Junior Tag Team Title Match. This is the one that Joe's. I could hear his blood boiling right now. Showing yo the champions defending against Kenamoro and Desperado and Takashi and Bushi because. I don't know. <laughs> Non-title match, uh, tag t- champs, Evil and Sonata defending their titles, or not defending their titles, uh, just in a normal tag match against Roki Goto and Yoshihashi. Okay, stop. Yes. I want to make a point. I was going to say hammer time. That would have been funny, right? That would have been good. That would have been good, yeah. Um, I got to make a point here. Now, we got a non-title match, Goto and Yoshihashi, and we've got Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano for some reason facing Juice Robinson and David Finley earlier on the show. Haven't Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano been winning tag team matches left and right? Hasn't that been the case? Left, right, they've, yeah. been, they've been winning these two-on-two tag matches. It looked like they were setting them up for a title shot. And they're just in yet another uh, throwaway tag team match on the undercard. And their stable mates are getting a non-title match against Evil and Sonata. I have nothing against the non-title match. I like the to- non-title match as a storytelling device to earn a title match. I enjoy that. But why not just give Ishii and Yano a title match here since they've been, you know, they've gotten these visual two versus two wins and, you know, Joe, set up Goto. Do, do, do you want to know the answer that probably is going to happen? <sighs> <laughs> what if Goto and Yoshihashi win? And then Ishii and Yano also get a title shot, and it's a three-way. Oh, I don't think they'll do that because of the, okay. the stable mates. Oh, I suppose. You're right. Oh, damn it. Okay, good, good, good. I but know. I think what's going to happen is, unless they have some hot angle up their sleeve, Goto and Yoshihashi will win the match and get a title match. But then why the fuck don't you just do that with Hongi 3K and Suzuki Gun? <laughs> I just cannot stand the tag team booking in this company. It just drives me up the wall. And I finally thought we were going in good directions here. I thought we had it. It was like two months. We had a solid two months, like little stories being built underneath, little guys moving up, ladders, hierarchies, and now it's just all fucking. Yeah, and I thought Ishii and Yano were on their way to a tag team title shot. And they should. They've been beating everybody. (laughs) Why not? They're going to win again, obviously. It's it's. I don't know. But go ahead with the rest of the card. All right. Um, uh, Naito versus Taichi. So that is, of course, uh, building off uh, the, the, the kind of subtle build they've been doing over the last few weeks. So that'll be pretty well, they had a match that. as well at the Taka Taichi Produce Show. Or was it? Oh, of course. Is that what yeah, it was? Yeah. Or was it a K-Dojo? One or the other. Yeah, I forget, um, I forget which. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I, I have it all downloaded, but I haven't watched it yet. But I hear it's a really good match. But yeah, so um, yeah, they're going to pay that. They, what do you think about keeping Naito busy with your Yoshihashis and Taichis of the world until we get to New Japan Cup or whatever, or the Jericho match, good. really? I think it's good because then you need to sort of, t- how would you tell the story? Why is Naito not going for the title? Why is Naito not, you know, at Okada? It's because he's yeah. dealing with all these other little assholes or whatever, which is good because yeah. otherwise he just looks like a doofus if he just comes out for tag matches or he just comes out in a, in a six man and goes to, you know, wins and is like, eh, whatever. Like he's got to be dealing with something else. There's something has to be in his way. Something has to be bothering him. To try to get, I mean, Taichi attacking him is perfect because now he has like, all right, fuck, I got to beat you now. All right, whatever. And then, then after I dispatch all these assholes, I can go back and focus on the title. But for now, it's it's good because yeah, otherwise he looks like an idiot. He's just you know he loses, you know he has the moment, he's there, he loses, and then he just kind of goes back and toils around. So I like the idea that he's got other things to kind of deal with until he can kind of get his eye eye back on the prize. So that, that is cool. Uh, I I see title match, I do uh, intercontinental championship. Uh, Suzuki defending his title against. Togi Makabe. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, Suzuki, I, look, hey, I Suzuki, think, wrestler I, of the year 2018 Suzuki, if he can drag something out of Makabe, go Suzuki. We'll, we'll see. He's got his, he's got his work cut out for him on this one, though. I don't I do expect not, it. I, do I really don't. Yeah, me neither. 
I don't expect it to be good, but I don't I, I don't have a problem with it. I don't. I mean, I, it's it's whatever. It's the anniversary show. Yeah, we um, always say, and again, like we have to kind of throw our hands up with Makabe. It's like we don't get it. The Western fans don't really get it, but there is a big deal. So it's like whatever, you know, for an anniversary show, that's pretty cool. And and this might be it's one fine. of his last big moments. Or I feel like we've said it like six times already. Before. You know what? You know what? You know, this is a this is a perfect spot for him to win because we're not expecting it. Would it really shock you if he won? Mm, yeah, it wouldn't kinda. shock me. Yeah. Wouldn't shock me. That'd be a total New Japan move for Makabe to win, and then Suzuki to win it back at whatever the fuck the next show is. I mean, you know, because New Japan Cup's coming, right? And you know, maybe you put Suzuki in New Japan Cup instead of Makabe. I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there. No, I don't think it's like completely implausible, but I I, I would be surprised if Makabe won this one. Uh, and then the main event, we talked about it a little bit, non-title, of course, Okada versus Will Ospreay. So that should absolutely kill it. So regardless of whatever happens in the matches before, I think all eyes are going to be on that Okada Osprey to really deliver. But uh, yeah, I'll be interested. I always love these, this anniversary show, too. It's always one of my favorite shows because it's got a fun little atmosphere. The crowd's super hyped for it. It's, you know, in a, a pretty cool venue, that the Ata Ward Gymnasium or whatever. So yeah, I'm really excited. And I, I always do really like these shows, too. And they're very... Um, and New Japan does a great job of the build to it because they really embrace their history throughout. And you see a lot of, you know, gifts and images and stuff as they're kind of building towards their history and celebrating it or whatever. So I, I always enjoy that a lot. So uh, interested to see that come. But yeah, as I said, we'll do a kind of a larger preview as we get closer uh, to the show on March 6th. And then uh, next week, we'll talk about Honor Rising uh, night one and night two. Because we got some other stuff to get to, Joe. This episode of the Voice Wrestling Podcast is sponsored by our friends at SeatGeek. And of course, you guys know, Joe knows, I know that buying tickets to sports and concerts, they can be complicating and confusing. But there is a better way to buy these tickets, and it's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or just need the perfect gift. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. We have both used the SeatGeek app. I bought uh, you know NBA tickets. I talked about the Bulls-Mavs game I got coming up pretty soon. Watched the Bulls-Lakers games. I know you got college hoops coming up. I got some baseball. I've already been kind of perusing for the White Sox. They're coming pretty cheap this year on the White Sox tickets. I tell you that. I think I'll be attending a lot of White Sox games this year because they are easy to find and they are affordable this year on SeatGeek. But, uh, you know, I, I like a little young team, though. I like I like watching, you know, my best, my favorite days of watching the Bulls is when they sucked because it was, like, cheap to go and you feel like you're watching, you know, a developing team or whatever. So it's the best of both worlds. You know, you, you get to go. But uh, I know you've bought college hoops tickets on there before. You've done some good stuff with there. But the best thing about it is with a few taps, uh, we can instantly find t- uh, seats that we're looking for. And they search multiple ticket sites. They compare prices and find you amazing deals. Uh, SeatGeek uh, grades every single ticket price based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats. As I said, I was looking at White Sox tickets. There's green everywhere. Great values everywhere. Behind on play, down the first baseline. They're based on the great stuff. So I, I'm planning to go a lot of games, and it's great because I look it up. I look up the games that I'm looking to go to. Boom, you see the big green dot. You go, oh, well, that's a great deal. And click it, and and more, it, it is a great deal because they, they have the work. They have the algorithms. They're running all those numbers there. So they let you know that you have gotten a great deal. Um, as I said, Secret uh, grades every ticket based on the value. Uh, plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with 100% confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And, of course, voice wrestling listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. 20 bucks off. All you got to do is download the SeatGeek app and use promo code VOW. You download the app, SeatGeek, enter promo code VOW, and you get 20 bucks off. Your first SeatGeek purchase, no questions asked, just $20 for making a purchase on SeatGeek with promo code VOW. Any hoops games on the uh, on the horizon for you? 
Uh, Kentucky was in town last weekend. Um, oh, nice. Well, they're they're having a little off year, right? So maybe did you get a good value on those tickets because they were a little they're they're not the Kentucky. Well, people, see right? if it's your first seat gig purchase, you can get the ticket for free. With this <laughs> That's right, <laughs> right, right, right. You always fail to mention that you can get a free ticket basically with the uh, first purchase there. You know, concerts as well, Rich. Theater, they got theater too. I know you're. I know we we have we've discussed our our long theater. I think there, but yeah, of course, promo code VOW, download the SeatGeek app, promo code VOW, 20 bucks off your first purchase. Or like Joe said, hey, if that ticket's, you know, $21, you got $1 tickets there. Not bad at all. 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase, promo code VOW on SeatGeek. Uh, Joe, we got a pretty big uh, show coming up this weekend. Evolve turns 100. Evolve 100, Evolve 101. Real quickly, kind of break down these cards before we kind of get into the the history of Evolve and a little bit of the background there. But you got Evolve 100. Uh, you got Freeland match. You got Darby Allen versus Jason Kincaid versus your guy, Jarek Wontani, with Candy Cartwright. So Candy Cartwright will be there for sure. Uh, or, sorry, Jarek 120 will be there with Candy Cartwright. So uh, maybe this will be the time when he saws her in half, but we'll find out. You got three The Future Is Now matches. This is a, a, a nice little game specialty here. Three of the Future is Now matches. The Future is Now match number three. Fred Yehi versus Dom Guarini. The Future is Now match number two. Tracy Williams versus Anthony Henry. And the Future is Now match number one. Matt Riddle versus James Drake. You got an Evolve Tag Team Championship match. You got Chris Dickinson and Jaka defending their titles against the end. And in your main event, you have Keith Lee defending the WWE Championship against AR Fox. Uh, Evolve 101. You got an MCW showcase match. It's Dante, Keb, uh, was it Cabarino? I don't know if you're familiar with uh, any MCW. I believe it's Cabarino versus Ken Dixon. You got a special challenge match. Fred Yehi versus Shane Mercer. Special challenge, Fred Yehi, Shane Mercer. A grudge tag team match. You got James Drinks and Anthony Henry versus The End. Four-way, a four-way elimination match. Matt Riddle versus Austin Theory versus Darby Allen versus Jaka. Non-title special attraction match. Evolve champion Zack Sabre Jr. versus Chris Dickinson. And then no-holds-barred non-title Keith Lee versus Tracy Williams. So those are the two uh, uh, Evolve shows of the weekend. Definitely want to check out the Everything Evolves podcast on the Voice of Wrestling Network. They do a, a better job than we're going to do of breaking down the, the you know the background of those matches and everything that's going to kind of go into those. So uh, make sure you're checking Who out says? Everything Evolves. Oh, well, no, I'm saying because we're, we're going to talk about some other stuff. We're not going to break down the future is now match number two. We're going to get into some other you yeah, know, big but who, stuff. Say, who says the Aaron's can do a better job than us? <laughs> Speak for yourself, I didn't pal. say they could. I said they okay. did. They did a better job. We could, you, if we wanted uh, to, we could yeah, absolutely. Okay. You're you saying know. it was better than what? What you you just you just read the matches, exactly. And that's all we're gonna do. I, unless Joe, you, the floor is yours. Talk about the futures now match number two. I okay. do have some hot takes on okay. this. Tell me about Anthony Henry versus Trace Williams. The futures now match number two. Go ahead. Okay, I will. I think Anthony Henry should win that match. Okay, great. I, I am in agreement there. Yeah. What about futures now match number three. Yay, hi, Garini. What do you got? I think Dom Garini should win, and I think those guys will have good chemistry, and I think they'll have a nice match. You have strong thoughts here, so that's good. I told you. I, I was listen. I prepare for this show, pal. <laughs> I just, okay. I just want the everything evolves to get some love. That's a great show. I know you hate them. You hate them, but and I prepare. I hate evolve. Where is that coming? No, from? No, you hate everything evolves. You you like evolve, but you hate everything evolves. The errands. You're not a big fan of the errands. It's okay. You can admit. What it. Do I, I don't like the errands now. What no. do we? I went on their show. That's fake news. You didn't. When have you been on their show? You hate the errands. I've never been invited. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, if I got lost in the mail, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, nobody okay, about that, I didn't want so, things yeah. to get awkward here. Yeah, but... they did. So, wait, right, ready to go. Apparently, that's what happened. Yeah. 
Everything evolves. I'm loosening my collar here as we speak. Uh, uh, I have, yeah, yeah I'm I, my throat. I don't need to. My throat is very clear, but you know, yeah. well, you know, I guess I'll just crumble up this piece of paper with my evolve notes and fucking toss it in <laughs> the fucking trash can. I, I, you know, yeah. I guess I don't have to break down the evolve shows this weekend. It is evolve 100 after all. Yeah. Um, are you surprised Gabe didn't do something special for evolve 100? Well, there's a special challenge match in the first out of all 101 from the Ever Shane Mercer. Oh, now don't be silly with the special challenge match. <laughs> no, matches. no, I think. Um, but I, what do you really do though? You know what I mean? Like, because because you know I have the column up where I'm, I'm looking at the history. What do you? I mean, you're not going to get Johnny Gargano to come into Evolve or whatever. I I don't know. Maybe. I think it's a, they're pretty solid. I think when you look at the top of the cards, there's some really good stuff in there. Era Fox's story of him is very good, and he's sort of the guy that's sort of your connection to the old Evolve. So I think that's sort of why he's peaking at Evolve 100. And, and then if you've been watching the build, that's a lot of it too. He's saying, hey, I've been here forever. I'm Mr. Evolve and Mr. WWN or whatever. This is my opportunity to show at the 100th show. You know, I, I, I get the title back and I'd be, I'm, I'm the champion once again or whatever. So I think they've kind of built towards that using w- one of the only few guys they can still sort of use from their history. Because a lot of the other guys have either moved on or, or, or just are not in the fold or whatever. Whereas Aero Fox is a little bit of a connection towards those old days. So I think there's a reason that he's peaking at 100. More so than than just another random title match. Yeah, um, yeah, that that's been a well built t- title match, I would say. The uh, Keith Lee or Fox match. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the the end and, and the the Chris Dickens and Jocka stuff. Well I mean, as well. Yeah, I'm now, not like super into it, but I think it's been well built. Yeah. yeah, and I th- and I and I think it you know it's 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 it'll probably be brawly is what I'm guessing. Oh no, it's going to be very brawly. Yeah, that that's that's going to go all over the the, the 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 arena for sure. Which is you know, yeah, it's not what I want out of my evolve. But I get it. It's it's part of the you know, Darby Allen in the prelims again, working his way up. Yeah, I don't know if have you been watching the uh, the, the the Darby Allen's uh, the videos on their YouTube channel. Well, listen, as a man who does his homework, of course I have. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, no, that I think again, Darby Allen's a great character, man. They just nail it with him because they yeah. they you know they, he's he's skating in a random skate park. Like he's always they always have to like find him at a skate park or find him at like a tattoo shop or whatever, which is cool. He's never like ready. He's always doing something else. And they're like, hey, Darby, like, hey, what's up? And and. They're like, hey, what have you been doing since you know you lost to Zack Sabre Jr.? He's like, well, skateboarding. <laughs> like, what else do you think? Of? You know, nothing. I'm not doing anything because I'm depressed about this. And and it's awesome. Like he talks about because he, he he got Champ, you know, tattooed on, underneath his lip. He he wrote Champ on his on his car or whatever. And then he go he walks over to it and spray paints Champ out and 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 spray paints Loser on there because he's like, oh, I'm not Champ. I'm a loser. It's like it's awesome. It, I love the Darby Allen character so much because it's yeah. just like this, this guy that just hates himself so much it's just this guy who, who wants to succeed and wants to be more than he is but just he just isn't and it's like we talked about it, it never win i never want darby allen to be a champion i never want him to get to that point i love depressed working his way back up darby allen because i think that's such a great character for him they're kind of doing the same similar stories with darby allen and jason kincaid now Darby Allen is working his way up from the bottom. Jason Kincaid is a guy where his story is kind of like he's on the verge of being cut, but he always, you know, wins at the, you know, the match he needs to win to stick on the roster. But they're both guys who are slowly, uh, you know, coming up from the bottom one, you know, who have been a little bit higher on the card before. So, and Jarik, Jarik had a tryout with the fed rich. I don't know if you heard. I did. I saw Uh, that. Yeah. So if he's going to cut Candy Cartwright in half, this would be the show to do it, right? <laughs> Wait, are you, you have an imminent signing for Jarek? He might have got signed. I don't know. I want to see her get cut in half. And this might be our last chance. What better 
to do Evolve 100 to do something special that the saw a woman on half <laughs> in the in opener half. in the opener right in the opener. Or are they gonna wait there they gonna wait till the main event and have that you know don't don't leave everybody we got one special thing to show you it's jury cutting candy Carter in half or do you do it in the opener right. and set the stage for the rest of the show the night i mean you could do it in the opener but how well, like you really lenny's just like lenny's just frazzled the entire time like my god we just saw you know a woman died. saw it in half all right time for the future is now number one or whatever like that that's i like it in the opener because then you know lenny's got to always sort of wrestle the with the idea that a, a, a woman was cut in half in the opener of the show so i like when they put the two boxes back together you know and then they, she pops out and she's like ta-da i'm not dead you know they, well they should hold know. that off that should be until the main like before the main event Three comes you know, out of the should, Yeah, the you're right. He should saw her in half, right? And then do the gimmick where they roll the two halves around and the legs are kicking out of the one half and she's like looking around and all on the other. And then just leave her out there. <laughs> right. And then everybody's just kind of wonder, yes. oh my God, is that woman still cut in half? And then, yeah. Her with her legs on one side of the ring and her head on the other side, on opposite sides, and the legs are still kicking and, you know, and she's just enjoying the action. And then maybe before the main event, he comes back out and he, and with, with his other assistants and he, they wheel around it, but someone had a great idea. They can turn him heel by having him cut her in half and just never, <laughs> just put, her never back together. put her back together. And it's like, Jarek, what happened to Katie Cartwright? He's like, I cut her in half. I mean, of course, like what else would happen with her? Like, yeah. You never hear from her again. You never see her again. They just ask him and he's always like, well, I cut her in half. Like, duh, you know? How could she come yeah. back? He's in half. Like that could be his gimmick. He just saws his assistants in half, and then you know. Oh, I like that. He gets like a roving collection yes. of assistants. Yes. Okay. And then a heroic baby face to the rescue. You know, <laughs> finally has had enough of women being sawed in half. You know, he's not gonna. You know, whoever it is, the baby face. He's just he's had it. No, not on his turf. Okay, no more. So this, since this is hour two, what would you consider the beads that Jason Kincaid comes out with? They call them prayer beads, but are you? Uh, have you always considered them prayer beads or do you think they might have some other, you know, you're disgusting. This is a man of faith and you know, I don't know why you would, why you would drag such filth into this. Okay. So no, I no, I think that they're prayer. beads. Praying. Okay. All right. That's fine. I just want to make sure. Man's a a proud Hindu. That's what he is. Right. Or is he a Buddhist? (laughs) (laughs) You tell me, Joe, what do you think? What is, what is he? I don't know. He's whatever Dal Seam in Street Fighter is. I think. <laughs> so, that's what I think he is. What is he? Is he is he Hindu? I don't know. What is that? Um, no, I thought he was. I don't know either. What is Jason Kincaid? Is he Buddhist? I don't know. I actually don't know. Or, no, I, I mean Dal Seam. Oh, Dal Seam. <laughs> Dal Seam is a Hindu. Yes. Yeah, well, I think that's what Kincaid is. I think Kincaid's a Hindu. I think so because he's got like the the fucking uh, like the fucking the things with the elephants with the thousand arms and stuff. Isn't that Hindu? <laughs> we should just stop before we. No, I'm I'm serious. Isn't that one of their their symbols? Um, Look, I'm not an expert in a Hindu religion. Yeah, I mean Dustin is absolutely Hindu for sure. Um, as far as Kincaid, I I I don't know, and yeah, I don't know if I know the specifics of either. Uh, I don't know if Jason Kincaid is is Hindu or Buddhist. We'll have to ask him. But uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what he's supposed to be. He is, uh, per his Twitter profile, I've seen if he, uh, if he alluded to it, he is a um, he's a promoter of peace, peace of mind, openness, and heart, and knowledge of reality. So, yeah, that's all I got. So, him. all right, not denominational. I, I apologize. I, I yeah, I, I guess he's you know still trying to figure out where he where he is in the world. So that's fine. 
as he floats around. But uh, one of the other matches, the one-on-one, I really thought the main event that they've done a great job building that up as well. That's the no-holds-barred uh, no non-title match, uh, Keith Lee versus uh, Tracy Williams. And what I thought was cool about that in, in the videos and the buildup or that or whatnot is that Tracy Williams is saying, I don't care I don't, I don't care about the title, I want Keith Lee. Well, Stokely Hathaway, who's obviously the manager for Tracy Williams, the manager of Catchpoint, he's, he's your old-school manager he wants the money he wants the title and he's like well i don't know if i can get your title shot and 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 tracy goes dude i don't care about the title shot i don't want it. i just want to beat him and, and silkley can't even comprehend why you would know like but but i can get a title match like no i i i don't know if i can do that and and it's it's, it's awesome to see that sort of juxtaposition i love that's why i love stokely so much right now because he is that old school sports agent wrestling manager guy it's like no i don't you know why are you gonna get in a fight for no reason like let's get something out of this let's get a title shot let's get the money out of this why are you just gonna get in a fight and tracy's an old school guy he just wants to prove that he's better than keith lee he just wants to get back at keith lee he just wants to beat keith lee or whatever and and, and it's cool to see the, the sort of the tension between those two where, where stokely wants the dough and wants the title or whatever and wants it to be a title match and tracy doesn't care he just wants a match so i i, I like that idea as well and everybody kind of vying for keith lee and he's sort of this juggernaut at the top of the company that everyone's sort of working to try to get at as well i really enjoy that story a lot yeah i'm right there with you um we'll see what happens with uh this MCW showcase, this uh, Cabanero and Dixon. I know nothing about them. They can't yeah, be any worse thing. than Kyle the Beast, you know? Did you see <laughs> Kyle the Beast crawling out of the woods this week? And yeah, a lot of people were wondering if this is the uh, the woods where what you the and the, the Russian that? girl, uh, where you touched the Russian girl's boobs. Is this not or no? This is not the woods where Svetlana touched my dingus, okay? But it could have been because, you know, Kyle the oh, Beast. So I you think, don't know that. So you don't know that it's not. I the, can't the, listen. I can't. I can't confirm that it wasn't the same woods because Kyle the Beast, I believe he's from the woods of New Jersey. That's if what I'm I mean. not mistaken. Right. So, so you hmm. know, he he he's a beast who lives in the woods. And uh, how hokey was that fucking video? I mean, he's crawling around in the fucking woods. He's a pe- and then he just eats a random animal or something. He's got blood on his hands. What is going on? I don't know, man. With Kyle the Beast. It's worse than just a bad wrestling gimmick. He's like these that that and that was meant to be taken seriously. That's what I mean. If it was gonna, if you're gonna want to be kind of like the self aware and try to do like like mimic the old Kamala ones, like we love the Kamala, like the, the world class yeah. Kamala things where he's like on a highway on ramp in Dallas, but it's supposed to be the middle of like an African jungle or whatever. Yeah. But I like that because like at that time it's still 1983 and that's still Kamala or whatever. But you can sort of sure. watch them now and it's kind of funny and it's kind of endearing knowing what Kamala was or whatever. But this is like legit 2018. Like I'm a guy that eats like you know possums in the forest guy. It's like right, okay, like. I don't really want to see that, but uh, those Kamala ones are pretty awesome. If you haven't seen those, those are definitely worth your, worth your time. So, yeah, mostly because you know that it's just like behind the sportatorium. It's just like I was kind of hoping for whatever whatever animal he was encountering would kill him, you know, like and just rid us of Kyle the Beast for good. Because you're killing yeah, a lot I mean, of independent talents in the last 20 minutes of the show. You got Candy awesome. Cartwright dying. You're killing Kyle the Beast. Like, what do you? Not Lucha Underground, buddy. These people don't die. That's true. But I mean, you know, theoretically, the character can be killed, right? I mean, we don't have to. And then Kyle the Beast can, you know, get himself a decent haircut and some gear from the 21st century and and join the rest of us in modern wrestling, right? Instead of crawling around on his belly like an animal and doing some, you know, Hokies 1980s gimmick. You know, it's just, it's just horrendous. It's terrible. Yeah, you're always going to get people that enjoy those. I, for me, I don't, especially cool. in independent wrestling. No, Who like, is going to enjoy that? I don't know. I'm sure there's somebody. Are you kidding? There's somebody that enjoys everything. You think there's a Kyle the Beast fan out there? 
Oh, I, I, I'm absolutely 100%. Now, I know there's Jimmy Lloyd fans, which blows my mind. He's terrible. Case in point right there. But, but Kyle the Beast is not only... Now, here's the thing. Kyle Beast isn't that bad in the ring. No, he's, he's pretty good, actually. But the gimmick is just horrendous. What he should do is like go up to Jimmy Lloyd and be like, look, man, you, you've got no future. So why don't you be Kyle the Beast? Because it can give you like, you could be Jimmy the Beast. Because it'll give you something. Because you've got nothing, dude. Like, you look like shit. You can't wrestle. You, you're going nowhere. You're five foot nothing. You know, your gimmick is cringe. This is actually less cringe than what you are because at least it gives you a little bit of flavor and personality. I bequeath this to you. Like the way that Blitzkrieg gave his gimmick to, to Jack Evans, remember? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because Blitzkrieg said, I've had enough. I'm getting out of this. Jack Evans, you are the new Blitzkrieg. You know, it could be Jimmy the Beast. You know, and then that guy could have some function. You know, it kind of would work. Yeah, because Kyle the Beast, the thing with him is, is like he's got a pretty decent look. Like he's in shape. He's got, a, you know, the good like kind of wrestler look or whatever. But he's wearing, like you said, like Tasmaniac 1993 tights. And it just doesn't. It looks he's like falling shit. around the woods. I mean, he's just it's stupid. He needs a haircut. He needs some decent fucking gear. He needs a tan a face paint and lose he needs face no fa- lose the face paint. And he needs a new name. What's the man's name? Unless his name is like. Probably Kyle. Kyle Dombrowski. Anything he has is better than what he is now. Kyle, let's would find you? Out. Let's find out what Kyle the Beast's real name is. Kyle Winant. 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 W I N A N T. Winant. Winant. It's it's awkward, <laughs> but it's better than Kyle the Beast. Kyle Winant. Just go, Kyle Wilson. Anything. Kyle Dombrowski. It doesn't matter. It kind of looks like a good time. If you actually see Kyle the Beast, I think you could you could actually do his gimmick as Kyle Dombrowski. Yeah. Just a big beefy. <laughs> like, it kind of works. It kind of does. Yeah, I don't know. Or he could just go full switch with Lloyd. He could be Kyle Lloyd. And it could be Jimmy the Beast. You could just mash up these two awful independent wrestlers and make them both better. You see what I just did there? I improved both of them. By using both of their shitty gimmicks and shitty looks, someone Isn't should it? give me. Someone really should give me the pencil, Rich. The proverbial pencil. Do you really want it though? I, I mean, if I if I have no financial responsibility or or you know, then sure, I'll take the pencil. Because I I don't I, I don't want to put money into wrestling. That's yes, like the no, last thing I'd ever do. And if I did, recently- I'd be booking. There was a time recently where somebody actually asked us if we'd be interested in like, you know, something. And it wasn't like they yeah. were like, hey, would you be interested in like, you know, maybe coming up with that? And we're like, no, 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 <laughs> but I am not involved in it. You will never see a voice wrestling presents. No, it's not going to happen. As much as I would love to mortgage my house on a, like a, a shitty independent show. That's that's I'm not doing it. So sorry. No, never, not a chance. 
I, I can would, just I would kinda... if, if some money mark was like here, I'm gonna I I have seven million dollars. I'm gonna pie. Will you book this for me? I well, goddamn it, Rich. That's what I just said. Give me yeah. the pencil, but I don't want to be the money behind it. Right. The pencil. I want the pencil. Yeah, I like that. I would, <laughs> the old, that. Would, would you use a pencil or a pen? I would definitely use a pen. I can't use. I'm, I'm a leftist. Oh, so I can't use, I a use a pencil. pencil I couldn't. It would smear. I'd be. It's a mess. I can't use a pencil. I, don't, I haven't used a pencil since like I left high school. You know when they made you use pencils, but now I, I, I'm I'm pen all the way. I can't. No, I'm sorry. There's only two ways to book wrestling with a pencil or a typewriter. Well, then I'm not booking. Then I'm not. Oh, I can do a typewriter. I've, I I used to. I had a mean typewriter. Uh, it's a big reason why I'm a decent typer these days. I think my mom had a typewriter. I used to play on it all the time. So. You got to book out your cards on a pencil and you got to write letters to, to, to Sam Mushnick <laughs> typewriter, you know, you gotta type it out. You got to request Harley race for your big show with via typewriter. Okay. I can do that. And I can, so it, if you want to use the pencil, I'll, I'll do the typewriter and yeah, we yeah. just smoke, mm-hmm. you know, get, you get, send yeah. it Western union and, <laughs> you know, and then Sam Mushnick reads it. And then 30 years from now, right. Seth Hansen posted on Twitter. Then it comes full circle. That's the life cycle of wrestling booking right there. You know? Oh, God. Uh, any other thoughts on uh, any of these two Evolve shows before we kind of talk about uh, a little bit of the background and history of Evolve and then uh, I think get out of here because uh, we're... No, uh, I, didn't we're, want, we're... I, didn't want, I didn't want to talk about these Evolve shows to begin with, but you brought them up, so I had my... Um, <laughs> My proverbial notes at the ready. Jeez, well, that's why I said to listen to everything involves because they actually want to talk about these shows. You jerk. No, no, I, I look. They're going to be. I'm going to watch them. Um, on paper, they don't look fantastic, but hey, look, evolved. The booking has been good lately. Mm-hmm. Very good. They're doing what they can. Austin Theory and Priscilla Kelly. Oh, dude, the Austin Theory story, and that dude's. I mean, he's like 20, 21, or whatever. Yeah, the problem is, I got a little, a little birdie told me, bad boy Casey Michaels. Mm-hmm. That uh, on the Twitter, he told everyone, really, this isn't a special birdie. He told everyone. <laughs> yeah. um, Austin Theory with Priscilla Kelly were at the tryout with Jarik. So, yeah. Um, and I'm, I listen, he's in the middle of a great story here, you know, which you might come to an end if they sign the guy. Yeah, but, they there is, he, but there is a little bit more to that relationship now. I and mean, it might be a thing where they, they, they sign him, put him under their purview, and then still let Gabe sort of book Hold him. Hold on a story. second. What did they do to Gabe last time? Well, <laughs> they yanked everybody. They took they took Drew Galloway the day of a fucking show. Hey, hey, you know, hey now, come on now. But uh, maybe they thought they were getting Flip Gordon, but Austin Theory showed up. <laughs> it's possible, right? It is very possible that they, yeah, but yeah, Flip just yeah forgot or something. Like that. Maybe Flip, up, yeah. maybe Flip fell off the side of the earth. Who knows? Exactly. Yes, yeah. so he fell to the uh, yeah. the horizon. He drove to the horizon and fell off and. See, that's another good example. I don't give a single fuck that Flip Gordon is a flat earther. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? I just think you're dumb as shit, but I don't really care. I mean, he can do his little flippy shit, and I'm going to love it anyway. Absolutely. He's a moron, yeah. I couldn't care less that that man thinks that the earth is flat. It means nothing to me. And I I, I saw – look, people poking fun, that's one thing. But I saw people saying like how they I don't like him anymore. He's a (laughs) – I can never enjoy his matches ever again. Who cares? I don't Trust need to if, know what everybody thinks about everything. Trust me, if shitty back, you know, shitty opinions about things and really like, if that's your, 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 your baseline for pro wrestling, then I think you might need to find another thing because guess what? A lot of your favorite wrestlers have really terrible opinions about a lot of things. So 
if that's yeah, your, and, and that's, you and might want to rethink a lot yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's, you know, there's a lot of really dumb, stupid or uh, contrasting opinions. And, and, and yeah, you're not gonna, you, uh, you might want to find a different thing there. Cause yeah, and, I mean, it, you know, this, it's like, you know, flip Gordon thinking the world was flat led to detective Dan Barry telling him he should be an astronaut. Like that's how they, I don't know if you saw that. Oh, no, I like, did. Oh, I was following everything. Yeah. Like, how did we get there? You know, like all of a sudden, Detective Dan uh, is telling Flip Gordon that he's a prime candidate to be an astronaut. And it's like, so he can learn that the world is round. You know, those are some extreme lengths to go to, right? So, well, like, no, 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 actually, no, no, no. That was, the, you, I, I think I was following it as it was going on. Flip Gordon was saying, you can't say that the earth is round unless you're an astronaut, a scientist. Right. Unless you're, unless you've been up there, you cannot right. say anything. So then Dick Detective Dan is like, look, you're military. You're a fantastic athlete. You can be an astronaut and go up there and see. That was a hell of a selling. You know, that's that's one way to convince yeah. someone. Send them to be an astronaut. You said like you're in great shape. You're in the military. That's like, right. go do it, man. Like, yeah. go ahead. Like, yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause they, so they're not sending Detective Dan up into space because that's, uh, I don't no. know. They have enough rocket fuel to get him up there. So. Whoa, that's a heavy shot. Well. He's not a big guy, is he? He's all right. He's, a oh, he's not a he's light an, guy. He's an uncle shape. Is that he's, fair to say? Yeah, I think he's he's getting more uncle as the years go on. I think so too, but he's retiring this year. That's what I mean. That's why the uncle is increasing in his uh, uncle shape. Because last time I saw him in AW, he was very uncle shaped. So. Well, yeah, he's the guy who he's your uncle who comes to the family gathering and you're playing with football and he plays without a shirt, you know. <laughs> And he's not obscenely large or anything. He just he looks like your forty six year old uncle. You know, he's had a few fucking. You know, he's knocked down a few beers in his day. He yeah, well, he's definitely drinking a beer while he's shirtless playing wiffle ball, and he puts That's it down right. to swing. And then, yeah, and then you know he's he's still pretty good. He's still pretty athletic or whatever. He just really likes Corona, so it's like yeah, whatever. He's, like, he's also the kind of guy who talks while he's playing while he's at bat, like. He he talks all the way through his swing. He talks before you deliver the pitch. He's a talker at the plate. I can tell you that too. Your uncle Dan Barry. You know, he's mocking your pitching form. He's telling you you're afraid of him because you're not laying it right down the middle there. You know, he's taking a good hack at it, but he swings and misses a lot. I think right. he swings and misses a lot. He always you takes know? the first pitch too, just to kind of be a jackass about yeah, it. Yeah, talk shit to you. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, ah, that wasn't close. Nah, 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 not good enough. Yep. And he, <laughs> but he, but he's, he's one of these. And he's one of these guys who swings from the heels because he's trying to hit the wiffle ball 500 feet. You know what I mean? And and he's just he his technique is bad, and he and he barely makes contact. But that's that's Uncle Detective Dan Barry for you. You know, we all have one. He's eating bratwurst. He's he's got the beer. He comes to the plate with the beer and he settles it in the opposite batter's box to wait. You know, as he's at bat, and if he does make contact. He picks up the beer and then runs the bases. Oh, of he's course, not yeah. leaving his beer at home plate. And he's showing know? up to at bat. He just got done eating the bratwurst. Too, it's still chewing. Like there's not no much question. of it left he's in there, but chewing. there's yep. yeah. He's, he's like just done with it. Just swallowed. Took a swig. Threw it in the batter's box. Still chewing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ago, yeah his that's... wife hasn't had sex with him since like 1998. <laughs> right. You know, because she can't even look at him because it's not even because he's not appealing anymore. It's just the, not the man she married. Right, and they've had kids before. They've had kids. You know, yeah, it's over. And look, and here's the thing: he's not they even sleep in different beds. You know, he's not even one concerned. snores, so they don't even sleep in the same bed anymore. Yeah, he doesn't even. Like, he doesn't don't even. Care. He doesn't even care that he hasn't banged her since 1990. Right. 
he gets his he gets his mediocre two star birthday blowjob, right? <laughs> he gets that, and every now and then, like you know, when the mood strikes him, he'll come up and she'll fucking you'll you know she'll it's, it's the wife sex, you know, and then and then it's like he falls asleep on the couch watching Sports Center on the loop. You know the loop. It starts to repeat. Oh, I've done it. Yeah, in the middle Many of the night. Times. Now he. The remote is right on the coffee table, right? But he's already comfortable in his laying position. So he's not going to grab the remote and see what's on HBO. He's just going to watch Linda Cohn. <laughs> Break down he's going to watch Linda Cohn repeat the same Clippers, the same Clippers Spurs highlights every hour on the hour as the, as the sports center repeats yeah. itself, you know? And um, he's going to work for the NFL combine. The worst is like, I'll do highlights again, but the worst is when you've watched it like twice or whatever. Yeah. But it's like whoever insert random NFL guy. And he's like at the combine talking about something. And you're like, oh, Jesus. John Clayton. Like, yeah. Like, didn't they fire John Clayton though? Or is he still there? Maybe. they. Fu- who haven't they fired? Yeah, that's true. There's nobody left anymore. But yeah. back in the day of my ESPN watching days, it would be like, yeah, it'd be like John Clayton in Indianapolis, you know, talking about the combine or whatever, showing random highlights of some Maryland linebacker or whatever. And you're like, ah, you know, I've seen this. Like, why am I still yes. watching? Because the highlights, you can at least be like, oh, that was okay. Cool, 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 cool. But like, yeah. Here's it's, the thing. Here's the thing with the Sports Center loop. When the Clippers Spurs highlight comes around again, do you ever find yourself going, huh, that hour went fast? Oh, absolutely. Or I figure what happens with me is like if it's on a weekend or it's like a day that I stay home sick or whatever, I mostly think, oh my God, I've wasted that entire hour. Like, oh God, it's already yeah. an hour again. Like, oh yes. fuck, what am I doing with my day? Yeah. It's already being lost. Yeah. That, and when you see the same segment or highlight the third time, you need to do something. <laughs> right. You got to get up. Yeah. Get, you either get up. need to go to bed if it's the nighttime loop or you need to fucking do something. You're more, you're running out of morning and first takes coming on and you can't sit around. for No, that. God, no. Yeah. First takes usually oh. when I decide, okay, that's good. Now, now is my time to go do something. So. Oh yeah. Stephen A. Smith hits the screen and you're just like, all right, you know what? I, you know, I, something has to be done. I, I, I'm going to do laundry. I'm going to do something, but I've got to get off this fucking couch. But uncle, D- uncle Dan Barry doesn't. <laughs> Uncle Danbury remains on the couch because then he's got to the, then the 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 because he, he's he's fully reclined on the on the couch as well and like then you got to bring that down. It's yeah. gonna wake the dog up if you bring the recliner down, so it's just easier to just stay up and watch. Yeah, and the couch. wife's gonna ask him to do something. Right, exactly. So yeah, he hasn't cleaned out that garage since 1998 either, and she's been <laughs> on his ass about it. And he figures if I sit still, I'm invisible. Right, you know. And I, I won't be asked to do this. Dishwasher is overflowing. It's been overflowing for a while. Ah, just do them in the sink. Just do them right. in the sink. Yeah. And he's just like, if I stay here, she'll keep gabbing on the phone, you know, to her uh, to her lady friends. And I won't have to deal with anything, you know? And I'll just, it's fine. I'll watch this Clippers Spurs highlight as many times as they're willing to play it. So that's Dan I mean, Barry. That's yeah. his future. That's, that's from I just realized that's me. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, probably me. it's like the recliners. Like, if I do it, then the dogs wake up. But like if they if I if I'm gonna fully recline and they're sleeping or whatever it's because then they don't bother me I can just the problem is though that I'm watching Sports Center for the third time but the second I bring the the recliner down and it makes that loud noise and I get up they're like all right cool what are we doing all right where are we going like and then they're up and they want to go outside and they want to do this and they want to and it's just like you know I'm just gonna sit here and watch Sports Center for the third time in a row so it's it's fine so I'm always terrified that there's an animal under the recliner and I'm gonna crush his neck if I if I close it with oh my yeah I, I always do kind of the check too I, you gotta I do, do the check. You never know what's under there, you know. So you got to do the check. I could have a toddler under there. I could have a fucking chihuahua. I don't oh, know. You got a lot of yeah. You got yeah. You got chihuahuas and, and babies hanging all over the so place. I, yeah. I got to watch out. You know, you don't want to crush a crush a neck. What are we doing? What's next here? Uh, I want to briefly touch on here, and probably we could probably end with this. We uh, 
And we're starting a little late here tonight on this recording. There's a little bit of a, a background, a little behind the curtain here. But uh, anyway, I just want to talk about Evolve and the Evolve 100. Obviously, the 100th show coming up this Saturday, as we talked about, we kind of alluded to it a little bit and previewed it to an extent. But I think the bigger thing that I want to touch on, mostly based off I wrote that column, uh, it's up on voicewrestling.com right now, kind of the history and, and evolution of Evolve. And really, I, I kind of want to talk about what our memories of Evolve were and sort of the ebb and flow of Evolve, because I feel like we as a show have sort of grown with Evolve as well. So the first debut show, obviously, it, it predated our show. Um, the first of all was in January 2010. So it was announced in 2009. We were talking, though. We, I mean, we at this time were still on the virtual sports network forums talking about DGUSA and, and talking about, you know, the, the sort of how excited we were for that, that promotion and a lot of stuff that was going on with DGUSA. And then Evolve kind of comes out of nowhere as the secondary promotion uh, that Gabe was booking. And I don't know your thoughts initially, but I always saw it as the stepchild. It was like they had some good stuff. There were some fun matches, some fun matchups, some fun wrestlers. But for me, I never quite got into Evolve because it was like, well, I got DG USA and I don't really need this Evolve thing, you know, really. But then as it kind of went on little by little, and particularly when they sort of melded the two is when I started to sort of embrace Evolve a little bit more, get into it a little bit more. And then, you know, obviously it, it, it superseded DG USA and DG USA wasn't a thing after uh, a few years after that. But what were your initial thoughts on Evolve when it first began? Were you, were you on board with it? Were you excited about it? Or was it like, ah, you know, were you similar like me where it was like, whatever, I don't need another DG USA. I already got one. They had that weird viral website. They did. There was like Davy Richards videos and stuff. And that was like, Gabe was like the, ahead of the game on the viral but stuff. But there were like Easter eggs. There were Easter right. eggs. Like mm-hmm. It was like you had to scroll around and you would find little Easter eggs and it would just reveal little bits and pieces. And they started off with the win-loss records, which as a sports fan, it appealed to me. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a good idea, but I also figured that it had no shot of succeeding because my immediate thought was with the indie landscape, you can't plan out far enough and you can't it, – it's hard to book guys out far enough to, to make the, the win-loss records work. Um, and, and, that's, and that's exactly what Gabe said. When I talked to him, I, I asked him about the win-loss thing. He said, you know, it's one of those things that – and this is the exact quote. It was one of those things that didn't translate from the idea on paper to the reality of the actual shows. I still believe it can work and I've learned from the past why it didn't. Uh, but the circumstances have to be 100% there and it has to be meticulously done. The main thing is having a consistent roster and a regular schedule. If you don't have that, there's no way it's going to work. Yeah. 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 You have to have – yeah, the consistent roster is important. They were doing it for tag teams too. <laughs> and I think it kind of restricts your booking too in a way, um, You know, just in terms of how you put together tag matches and those sorts of things. But it's interesting and I, I wish someone could pull it off. Now, at the time, a lot of people knocked it. And I really think the lines were drawn between sports fan, non-sports fan. Non-sports fan doesn't yeah. even care about that stuff. No, no, not at all. And there was and there was the also idea that like, and I, I was kind of going through old forum posts as I was doing the piece, just kind of see what people thought of at the time. Because I remember it being, you know, pretty, you know, people were pretty negative on it at the time. And, and it was exactly what I thought I remember seeing is a lot of people were like, oh, it's just a ploy to sort of play off MMA. Because MMA was growing in popularity and it was like, oh, this is just Gabe trying to, you know, do an MMA style thing or whatever. But I was with you. I liked it. I embraced it at first. The problem is when you're so transparent about it. And when everybody's win loss records is out are, are are out there and being talked about at all times or whatever, like you said, it sort of happens your booking a little bit. You can tell a story where wrestler X has won seven straight matches or he's undefeated so far this year or whatever. You can do that if you want to play up that story and work out with him. But then the problem is it was like the bit roster guys that also had to have win loss records. Icarus had to be one and one or whatever. And it's like, all right, what do you do with when he's one and one and you want to book him against a guy that's five and oh or whatever? It was kind of weird in that sense. So it was really hard and really tough to sort of make it that way where, where if you're going to be transparent about every single guy's win loss records, you got to be careful about it. And every match and every win and every loss has to matter, which you want every win and every loss to matter. 
but you want it to maybe matter for the people that you need it to matter for and not necessarily every single person because but you gotta have a plan because if, if a guy you can't just you can't push you can't just like in traditional wrestling booking you could just decide to push someone mm-hmm. but if you just decide i want to push wrestler x but he happens to be one in six you can't push him until he like at least gets to 500 you know it's like so then you're kind of that's what i mean you're kind of boxing yourself in sometimes um so yeah, the, the win loss thing was tricky, but it was something that if it was able to be pulled off properly, I, I was, I was into it. But the thing about evolve was it was always the secondary promotion to DG USA, like you said. So, um, they were almost like B shows under the same umbrella, but at least they had a different concept that made them different. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what cursed evolve from the start is that the rotating ACE, I mean, from, Brian Danielson signing back with WWE and then it was going to be Davey Richards, but then Davey Richards signed with ring of honor. And then it was going to be TJ Perkins, but then TJ Perkins. They had two shots at Daniel Bryan. I mean, it was the Daniel Bryan yeah. first off before he went to WWE. And then when he came back after being let go by WWE, they thought they had him again. And then he bounced again. And it was like, Oh fuck. All right. Well, whatever. And then Richards obviously does one show signs up with ring of honor again, or reups with ring of honor. He's not there anymore. So yeah, that was the big issue they had when they first started was like, all right, we're going to meld it around Brian Danielson. He's going to be our guy. Well, I get signed to WWE. All right, fine. Davey Richards. All right, well, he's gone. Okay, well, Rich- Dave- Danielson's back. All right, we'll do Danielson. And then, like, yeah, so that was the issue that they always had. And it was sort of they, when they initially started, it was all about these few stars or whatever. And then it had to change very quickly into that. It couldn't just be about those stars because you just couldn't keep those guys there. There wasn't the consistency of these guys are the things that are going to run our show. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of doomed from the start from that perspective with the with the top guys. But uh, yeah, and then when the Dragon Gate USA thing sort of faded away, and I know that your your piece is going to get into that because you got some good stuff from a lot of people. I saw a good deal of it, so I won't, you know, I'll let people read the explanations from, you know, the horses' mouths on that. Um, you know, I, they transitioned Evolve into the A brand, and then eventually just caved Dragon USA into it. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the Evolve shows also have evolved over the years, various different styles of wrestling, um, you know, along with, you know, aside from just the win-loss, I mean, the concept early on, remember when there was no theme music for the wrestlers, it was just that generic drum beat for everybody, because right. it was just presented like they were these, it was presented like this weird underground sport sort of deal, as opposed to traditional professional wrestling. Um I understood where they were coming from with that, but at the same time, I do think entrance music helps give wrestlers personality and that sort of thing. So I don't know if that was very well thought out or would have worked long-term and eventually that was dropped. So Evolve, I would say, you know, what's underrated about Evolve and, you know, it's obviously one of Gabe, Gabe has always been in charge of the stepping stone promotions and evolve is the number one stepping stone promotion. Now it's where you want to be. If you want to get seen and noticed and signed and get opportunities and things like that. But evolve also has been like, we've sort of talked about a very conceptual promotion. They've, you know, unique concepts have been, even if they didn't necessarily work, uh, they've tried different things in evolve that we haven't seen before or since. So, uh, over the years with all of those different evolutions and, and changes that they've gone through. 
And I think one of the big, big things that, and, and this is one uh, Gabriel alluded to as well, and 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 Lenny did, and, and and Akuma did as well, of things that they really thought was one of the, the, the trademarks of Evolve, and it's been one of the great things about them. And and for lack of a better term, is is that they've been willing to evolve and 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 have evolutions depending on the rosters they've had at the time. And 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 this was a thing that Gabe sort of drove in a little bit, and and, and it hasn't been as blatant sometimes as, as others. Sometimes it's kind of happened organically, but you have like as you mentioned, they started off with we're going to have David Richards and and, and Brian Danielson or whatever when. When those guys left, they then kind of transitioned into more kind of dream matches. And then you had your, you know, your Sawas in there. And then you had Austin Aries booked in there and, and stuff like that. But then eventually those guys sort of went their, their ways. And then you sort of had the high flyers. There was a while there where it was like, I mean, there was two matches headlined by Samurai Del Sol and El Generico. You know what I mean? Like there was, there was yeah. matches. I mean, Air Fox was their initial champion because they yeah. were a high flyer promotion. They had their Swans. They had their Ricochets. They had their Air Foxes. They had those sort of guys. And we're booking them and booking towards them saying, hey, look, we got the best high flyers in the world. So we're going to really drum that up. And, and that's really when I started embracing Evolve because that's the style that I really, you know, a, a, enjoy and then you know little by little they started transitioning away from that and it became the not necessarily there was kind of a little period in between but then it was the, the, the era that we talk about a lot about the grapple fuck era where it was the timothy thatchers the tracy williams to a lesser extent the matt riddles the fred yehi's or whatever it was a grappling submission based promotion or whatever because that's what the talent was at the time i mean they're, they're, your your guys had been signed away whatever's you know your ricochets was doing was doing stuff uh, elsewhere air fox was was on the outside looking in and 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 some other guys had been signed or whatever your garganos of the worlds or whatever were, were doing other stuff so you kind of moved on and, and decided okay well now we're going to be sort of this type of promotion and then they worked again and now they're sort of uh you know they came a big man promotion for a while when keith lee sort of burst out of the scene then zach saber came and there's they've always adapted to what the roster is and i think that's the cool thing about evolve from 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 one to a hundred is that it never is one thing you can never say what evolve is is this if i asked you what is evolve wrestling you couldn't say it in a sentence you can't just say dgusa you could there was a vibe for dgusa every dgusa show had a I loved it. I'm glad it was the way it was, but it was, there was a vibe about DGUSA. There was a thing about it. There was an aesthetic to it. You really cannot attribute Evolve to any one thing because it was so many different things. It was dream matches. It was, you, you know, grappling. It was style battles. It was, you know, and sometimes they went edgy too. I mean, the, the one that I remember looking back on is Evolve 10. And I think we may have talked about this on one of our, our, our first shows. Evolve 10 was the, the ECW arena sendoff. Remember that? When Sammy Callan comes in, Tells everybody ECW arena fucking sucks, and then everything goes to black. And that was mm-hmm. it. That was it. And it was like, yeah, what yeah. the fuck are they doing? These assholes. And I remember people were upset, and they were getting a lot of shit because this is how you're going to close out the ECW arena. You're not going to celebrate. You're going to cut an angle. You're going to cut a promo. You're going to have Sammy Callahan shut the lights off or whatever. And it was shit on money. But like, oh, compare that to like, you're Timothy Thatcher and Tracy Williams, man. I mean, they feel like they're not the same promotion at all, but they are. And that's one of the cool things that there is those different things. There is your shitty Pinky Sanchez, <laughs> you know, angles or whatever. And then there's also Will Ospreay and Zach Sabre Jr. from, from WrestleMania weekend a few years ago, an incredible match mm-hmm. that put the British, you know, scene, you know, on the map or whatever at WrestleMania weekend. So, and you were there live for that match, I believe, right? Which one now? The uh, um, that was the Osprey uh, Zach Saber Jr. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that might be the best match I've ever seen live. Yeah, I mean, just incredible stuff. I mean, that, and, and that's in the same promotion as Picky Sanchez and Sammy yes. Callahan running angles to close out the ECW arena. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but that's mm-hmm. the cool thing about him is that that's Evolve Ten versus Evolve whatever eighty whatever what whatever the hell the, the WrestleMania weekend was. I don't know the exact numbers, but that those are the same promotions. Kind of cool that it has felt different over the years, even though it's only it's been eight years, which is a long time, but still that it, it, it's. It hasn't felt stagnant at all. It's always sort of evolved and changed with the times. And like you said, not everything landed. 
that that ECW Arena thing did not land. It did not land at all. And what's what's interesting too, and I forgot that they had a huge hiatus after that too, or before that, they had the Gargano Taylor, the Evolve Nine, and then were gone for like five or six months. Came back for the ECW Arena, and then did that, and everybody was like, "All right, fuck Evolve, go away. I don't need to see you ever again." And then little by little started kind of recoup a little bit of that when when chris hero started coming in when he obviously left the first time from WWE and then he returned and was sort of doing stuff so they always were able to kind of adapt to whatever they had at the roster at the time and and there were lean times where they weren't quite sure what they were going to do and there weren't really a, a wasn't really a consistent direction but then when they would get that talent influx or when they, they would build up a guy then you would sort of see it and, and and know that you're seeing something special too and 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 the booking always kind of reflected that too which i thought was was always interesting is and, and we talk about that all the time with gabe he's a guy who's booked many many times many many years he gets burnt out at times, and you can feel when it's just like Gabe going, ah, I don't know, man, I'm kind of out of ideas right now. But then you can also feel those times when he's just got it. He's got an idea, and he just goes for it. And that's when Evolve is great, and that's when Evolve had been great. And it's had ebbs and flows. There's been bads, but there's been good times as well. So I think that's one of the real cool things about this promotion that's endured through all of that, through all the ebbs and the flows, and sometimes literally the flow <laughs> the flow slam or whatever. But they've always sort of endured that, and I've always thought that that was pretty cool, that, that, that they haven't just, you know, it never once was defined by any one thing, but it's always sort of changed over time. You could say it evolved. Yeah. I, I, there was like, I really had to, there was like four times in the article where I said that. And I was just like, I'm just going to do it. You're like, I have to, I have to pull out a thesaurus and say, yeah, something I can't else say evolve, but it's like the easiest hack. word to say, but I was like, I can't. It's so, so hack. hack. Yeah. It's really bad, but uh, yeah, no, that's a, well, it's a pretty article's cool. up as yep. we speak and I'm, and I'm looking at twitter.com and you're getting your roses thrown at you already. So tremendous job there, Mr. Craig. Hey, all right. It seems like you did well here. So, uh, you know, you, 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 you name dropped plenty on this show with all the big shots that you contacted for this thing. <laughs> all three and, of them. Uh, but no, it was pretty. The one thing I wanted to do, and I was, it was kind of funny because we've gotten to this point on this website where I was, I was thinking about it. I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to try to get some quotes from this. And I'm looking at, at, at the first of all show, and I'm like, hey, since it's the 100th, let me look at the first of all show and see. And I was like, holy shit, I can talk, you know, because we have relationships or at least, you know, people that like us. I talked to the, the lead announcer. The guy that runs the show and then the guy that worked on the show. Yeah. And he'll get back to me today. And it was like, this is awesome. Like, I forget yeah. that, like, where we started, you know, fuck it. If I had DM'd Lenny Leonard, he's going to tell me to go fuck himself. Like, yeah. you know what I'm talking to you. But that's, it, it's pretty yeah. cool that, like, hey, look, this first show in 2010, you know, we know these guys. Like, we could talk to these guys and they're going to come back to us and give us great stuff. I mean, their quotes in that article you read is they gave me way more than I thought I would get. Gabe sent yeah. me, Gabe was like, ah, yeah, I'll answer whatever, whatever. And I'm thinking I'm getting one word answers. I wake up and he's got fucking 5,000 words for each answer. I'm like, Jesus Christ. All yes. right, let's go. Yeah. So that was pretty cool to, to, to have that. So uh, I'm glad it turned out pretty well. All right. So anything else, Joe, before we get out of here? Nah. Nah, you're done. So anyway, <laughs> we'll be, I'd uh, let people know uh, we've been a little slow on the Patreon stuff, but you're going to get a lot of stuff for the last half of the month. We've, Personally, been busy, but uh, we got some ideas in the hopper that we're going to do for the rest of the month. So, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. Trust us, you're, you are going to get some good stuff uh, coming up in the Listen, next Listen, we weeks. just gave these geeks an overrun last yeah, week. I know, you know, I know, so, I know. I, I forget. Know. It's, it's, but uh, I got some video game stuff coming up. I know we, we got some other ideas in the hopper, but yeah, you, you assholes just got an overrun last week, so we should be all right. But anyway, patreon.com. I said, slash- I said, I said geeks and I said it lovingly. <laughs> you're out here just calling people assholes. Okay. All right. You just up the ante. I'm tired. I need to go. But anyway, uh, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. Also voice of wrestling.com voice wrestling.com slash forums at voices wrestling on Twitter. And then of course, support our sponsor SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app and use promo code VOW for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. For Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Creech, and we'll see you next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. 
Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance.